0: Hey guys, we got three weeks of amazing podcasts coming up. Leading up to the premiere of my show, Trip Flip, on Travel Channel, June 2nd at 8pm. Write it down right now. Tell your wife, tell your friends, tell a stranger. Please, everyone watch. Trip Flip on Travel Channel, June 2nd at 8pm. A double premiere episode. I think it's Louisiana and Michigan. Amazing show. So, I'm bringing podcasts all this week, all next week. I'm at home on sabbatical. I am not boozing I am eating healthy, I am working out, and I am podcasting. I've got big names lined up. I know I got Felipe Esparza coming over in a matter of seconds. Uh, We got Jim Jeffries, Neil Brennan, uh, Todd Glass. Um, I'm forgetting names. Those those are the guys that I still haven't booked yet. (laughs) But I have a bunch of people booked. Doug Benson's booked. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to drop them all for you because that's what this is, a free promotional tool. So use it wisely. Listen to it. Enjoy it. But then watch my TV show. Trip flip on Travel Channel, June 2nd, and we're starting off strong. I got off the plane yesterday, had to drink a couple IPAs uh, during this because I had an early flight, and I had an absolutely hilarious conversation with the always funny, from Sullivan's son, Owen Benjamin. Enjoy, everybody. Go to Bert, Bert, com. get a shirt, get a book, something. I love you so much. Oh, this is Yeah.
1: yeah. Cause it's like right next to the 90s, so it's
0: like doesn't have oh. too much time. Oh, and are how are, are you on the road a lot right now?
1: Yeah, hell oh, yes, it's
0: right uh, there. It's the best, dude. Yeah. Fuck my fucking ride in from the talking that mic. Yo, yep, we're good. My oh. ride from the airport today. I might start drinking. I've been drinking all morning. I love so, it. Uh, um, my ride from the airport today was a fucking beast. It was like fucking forever.
1: You got to so, move to Marina del Rey. Let's be neighbors.
0: I, I do. Well, my wife and I are talking about it because Segur lives down there. And uh, down around there, I don't know, like Redondo or Segura, Segunda or something. It's all right next to other. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, and we were talking about it, and I did uh, um, Dave Williamson's uh, com- Gundo Comedy Festival. Yeah. I did that, and so I was like, oh, maybe we'll, I'll go check it out. And it was cool as fuck. That whole area down there is it's great. It's so insane. But it's so perfect for you. Are you still
1: single? No, I got a girl. Really? Yeah.
0: Your your uh, your, your love life's always been fascinating to me. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah it's- psychotic no i got uh, yeah no, i know i i'm with a girl now that's really awesome
0: i bet she's gorgeous yeah she's i'm dying to see what she looks like yeah, no, she you're really one of the few people that i'm like oh he's definitely with a 10 <laughs> yeah
1: she's she's great
0: would you like do you live the beach lifestyle down there
1: yeah because i just i everyone like has been giving me compliments that i've lost weight almost in like an eight you look weight. good no you look good oh, you do look good yeah, but, you like, people, look like, good. yeah but people are like are you okay I'm like, yeah, yeah. And it's because like when people hang down there, it's usually active shit. Yeah. Like people like you know, when I lived in West Hollywood, it's always like let's black out and there it's like let's play volleyball. You can still drink, but you're you're moving at least. So that's it it keeps you more slender, I think. Um uh, Joey Diaz and I. I'm going on a c I'm starting a cleanse tomorrow
0: morning. Nice. And uh, Joey Diaz is like my cleanse partner, although he doesn't (laughs) cleanse, I just go and we live near each other, so we'll walk to each other. And so he calls it the
1: DUI workout because we don't don't drive. That's (laughs) awesome. It's
0: like walking a quarter of a mile to go to get coffee together and then walking a quarter of a mile back.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, cleanses are pretty – I eat like a pig, man. I eat like ice cream. I don't even – people are always like, yo, I got a blender. What do I blend? I'm like, bro, I eat like a fucking pig. Wait, where are you from? Uh, Upstate New York. Are you really? Yeah. There's
0: so many Okay, I want to I want to start by saying there's so many questions I have about you. But I <laughs> feel like right. I really I know it. you. I feel like I know you. We, yeah. I mean, I'm like I, I don't feel like I don't know you. If someone says is zone your friend, I go, "Oh, totally." For sure. 100%. Yeah. I feel like I've one of the, one of the few people that's one of the few people and I think you might agree with this that celebrated your early success. Yeah. Like there were people that kind of shit on you and I loved it. Yeah. Like I thought I thought it was cool cuz you you. you're not you were fun to drink around. You were friends with the people I was friends with. Right. So, like, I was always like, oh, good, man.
1: And we had Top Gun Support Group. <laughs>
0: oh, shit. I one of my totally favorite sketches all that. time. I totally forgot yeah. about that. So, wait, what was – because I talked to Nick about this, Nick Thune about this a little bit. What was, like, the – because you and Nick, if I felt like we are making viral videos before anyone was making viral videos.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was, like, 2004. 2004?
0: Yeah. Dude, I had – 2004? I was 30 years old. I mean, I just had Georgia.
1: That was 10 years ago. Yeah, that's when we started all that stuff. Holy shit. What was your first big video? Well, I did a bunch. Like It's almost like what BuzzFeed is now. Yeah. I was doing like 10 years ago where it's like three ways to get off a cell phone. How to break up with someone. Three ways to like, wake your girlfriend up for sex. And those would always do really well. Yeah. And I, it didn't really translate to road numbers for me at the time. So I started kind of bailing. And then now I'm really regretting bailing. On bailing on the road? No, bailing. No, road. I'm. I'm all the time bailing on just constantly making those videos. Oh, really? Because I think you know that was before Facebook. That was all MySpace. MySpace? Yeah. And I think once Twitter kicked in and Instagram, and I just kind of. I didn't keep up with it. You know, and I think now it would have paid off more. I didn't like cultivate a YouTube because I did it with Sony, so it was all their people. So I didn't cultivate a YouTube following or anything and I just Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. It's so funny. I can I tell you the, the and I love I love like the small um six degrees separation of these things. Right. I, I don't know if you remember this at all, but like I remember we went to Aspen together not together but like at the same right, time. right that was a blast and i ran into you and jordy and you guys both had north face jackets jackets yeah <laughs> and i remember i remember saying something to you and you were like it was like we were in like a ski shop together just ran into each other and you i was like yeah, yeah yeah and then i saw jordy and i was like i was like what are you doing and he was like i work for myspace yeah i was like Sh- shut the fuck up i didn't know that and he was like yeah i thought i still did stand up and then the next that morning i woke up and one of my videos had fucking seventy eight thousand views and i was like what the fuck? And
1: I think oh, Jordy I ran, hooked it up. Yeah, and I ran into you guys the next night, and you're like, Jordy hooked it up. Oh, totally. Yeah. People used to always say that to me. They're like, why? Did, why it would be like Dane Cook, Carlos Mencia, and me would be like the top. Yeah. And it was like, one of these three is not like the others. like the non fate Like, I was a fraction of those guys. And it's like, why are my hits so high? It was because of Jordy. Yeah,
0: Jordy was like, and I remember- he was like see, the I godfather
1: mean, of MySpace. I remember being like, I remember thinking
0: to myself, that's so crazy- they're like, I just bumped into Jordy, and now all of a sudden, like, fucking seven Like, I remember sitting, my my dad going, buddy, something's going on with your career. I go, no, that
1: can't be it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, he would do that to me. I'd get, like, 800,000 views. he put me on the front page for, like, a week. Yeah. Because it, it, it was give and take, because I would keep making videos. Well,
0: first of all, it wasn't give and take. With me, it was probably give and take. It was, like, an, like a, uh, like an offering of, like, hey, man, I ran into you yesterday. With you, your videos were honestly we're really good oh thanks man i remember saying to myself because i tried to do i tried to make videos when my hour came out in 2009 yeah and i remember thinking at one point i was like i was like i don't think i ever paid owen i always say you and nick at the same time so i felt like uh, you guys were always in videos together or i always saw you guys hanging out together i was like i never paid them enough respect for like how fucking good they were at writing sketches because it's it's really hard to translate comedy comedy on stage for me is easy Right. It just seems like, you know, just a little louder. Or, yeah. I know, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm a hack, but like, you know, but like it's on stage, I can translate it better. Well, because
1: you're, you're an alpha male and you just kind of do that. It's like Scorpion yeah. the Frog shit. It's like you just command rooms. I'm, I'm facing yeah. that with, uh, I'm trying to write a book now. And it's hard to put it in words because stand-up a lot of times sounds really aggressive and intense when you don't say it the right yeah. way. Yeah, It's like that Lenny Bruce scene in that movie when uh, he'd be like in court and they're like, you said blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you're not saying it right. <laughs> You know, I'll like write pages and people are like, this isn't like funny. This is like really intense. And I'm like, but when I sit on stage, people laugh. Wait, what do what, what you want to writing a book about? Well, I'm starting to figure out the tone, but I want to write it about like the male mind. It's called Did I Do Good? Yeah. About how like, every, like how much like a lot of times people look at men and see something kind of annoying or aggressive or whatever, and they're just seeking someone's approval. You know, where it's like... Uh, the whole life is about seeking approval. Me too. Everything I do is seeking approval. It's like, you know, and I want the cover to be a dude holding, like, a fish and flowers. Because, I mean, the fish trophy is so, it's so male. It's like, yeah. did I do good? Is this a really good fish? <laughs> it's like, you can buy a fish for, like, $3. Yeah! It's like, it's good fish. And I'm yeah. I'm working on it. I'm doing a bit about that now, about how... Um, like dick pics, it's like they seem so aggressive, but they're actually just a dude being like, is the dick good? Is that a good dick? <laughs> like, look, I got it hard. Do you like the dick? And it's like, dudes are just soldiers, man. It's like you yeah. see World War I footage of like, they're like, run into the machine gun. And they're like, so we're going to die? And they're like, yeah, it's like, all right, I got to do good. <laughs> it's like we just do whatever the fuck people, like we're just trying to seek that. And I'm like, I'm, with, I'm like that with my girlfriend a lot. Like I'll just look at her and be like, just don't be mad, okay? Like well, dude, tell me what to do so you're not mad. Yeah. And now that I'm like in a long-term relationship, it's like I see that more, and that's what I want to write the book about. That's great. Oh, it's so much better than
0: um, – like I wrote a b- book. I wrote a book. I don't know. It's floating around here somewhere. But uh, about my stories, about my life. And, uh, and I think very candidly I, I could can say this. I'm sure my editor's listening. But like uh, I was not comfortable with selling it because I felt like I was arrogant. I felt like I was bragging, but because I wrote a whole like I remember uh, Duncan, right? Dunk, you know Duncan Trussell? Yeah, of course. Duncan, uh, Duncan is the sweetest human being alive. But yeah. but sometimes you know Duncan will say things to you that are very real. They're very real because he thinks it about himself. And why wouldn't he share what he thinks about himself with a, with a friend? Right. And he was like, uh, he was saying he was talking to me about it, this was like right in the right when I got done writing it. We walked by my where we just walked in and all my books were up there. And he's like, you know, I don't know. I want to write a book, but like, am I as good as all of them? Like, do I belong up there? And I right. was like, oh, I don't fucking belong up there. Like, I remember real quick going, I don't, and he wasn't meaning it like that, but I was like, I don't belong up there. And I was like, and he's like, Bert, do you ever think like you got Ernest Hemingway sitting in your living room and you just let him sit there? And I was like, fuck, man. Like, and I started, <laughs> it just got real cerebral. Right. And, was, and then the whole selling of the book made me uncomfortable because I felt like I was. I felt like I was bragging. I've never been a braggart, although I will tell you about myself. Right. I'm not a braggart. In what way was it bragging? Like, how is it? Just like, oh, I'm the coolest guy around, man. I'm <laughs> fucking robbed a train in Russia and fucking. Oh, but that's awesome. Yeah, but I know, but I don't know. After, like, doing it 35 times from 4 a.m. in the morning until fucking 10 a.m., you just get to a place where, you're like, you just have said it in rote and you're like, I'm a fucking phony. I'm cuz I'm really just a guy sitting naked in a robe in a man cave.
1: Yeah, but just write that too. <laughs> yeah, it's the that, combination I, I'm, that's I'm thinking, funny. I'm I'm
0: interested. I'm I'm thinking about writing another book, but it, but it's it's neat to hear where you're coming from with yours. Like it's neat to hear where your where your head's at. Right. Because it's it I think that's like uh Well,
1: I was going to write one that uh was too cerebral. Like I, I have a podcast called Why Didn't They Laugh? Where it's like I analyze like when I'm writing new material, I'll I'll record the audio of the same joke six times in a weekend, and I'll show how I tweak it to make it work. Yeah, and it's I was trying to write that as a book where it's like I analyze you know the failure of comedy and and what you learn from it, and then I realized that most people don't think like a fucking sociopathic robot, you know? Oh, uh, dude,
0: (laughs) that's one of the most beautiful things about comedy. I I think people are missing that. Right. That is is watching a comic figure it out
1: right that's my favorite thing in the world that's why i love la because yeah rest of the country they'll see burr and ck and all these guys just always crushing and it's like i we get to see in new york and la are pretty much the only two cities you get to see them working on it where it's like every, there's no – the best Joe Crafts people still have to like – they're like, why the fuck didn't they laugh? Oh, dude. I and then sit- you're like, oh, well, maybe it's because of this. You know, the first ep- the first episode I do is called Caesar Salad where I'm in Florida and I'm doing a bit about – I'm like, don't worry about, you know, legacy. Julius Caesar, what did he get? I'm like, a salad. And I do Earl of Sandwich and no one's laughing. And I'm like – and then I find out that there's an Earl of Sandwich chain of sandwiches so they thought i was talking about like quiznos instead of a fucking point yeah and uh and then like that's the first episode i did where i just and you know and then i'll analyze black crowds and white crowds and mixed crowds and asian crowds and it's just like i love that quality of comedy i love
0: i love when you can i i I, I've, i've said this this is gonna sound cocky but i've said this to audiences i'll think of a thought in my head that's very funny and then I go, that's not for right for this crowd. Like oh, was, totally. And then and they'll, and they'll go, just say it. I'm like, no, And I, I actually know you better than you know yourself.
1: I do the same thing. That's yeah. not cocky. That's just honest.
0: Yeah, I go, I know you better than you know yourself. I do this for a living. Right. And trust me, you're going to not like what I'm saying.
1: Be like, this is for participators, and you guys are consumers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> my, exactly. It's like my premise is for people that want to participate with me in a fucking mental chess match, and yeah. you just want me to smash a watermelon, and that's fine. I'll do it. Yeah. I'm like that with piano. I'm like, you guys want to hear me sing songs about relationships with an ironic twist, and I'll do that for you guys. You know, but I'm not, you know, but there's a shit that I want to do that I'm like, you just. One time I even told a crowd, I go, not the whole crowd, but there's a group, I go, comedy isn't for you. I go, it's not your game. I go, this isn't for you. It's, it's like, you not, have to.
0: There's so many times you have a group of eight in the front row, and you're like, you picked the wrong thing tonight. This is
1: the wrong thing, man. And I'm like, and sometimes I'll even be like, Buy my DVD on the way out so you can see that it works. Yeah. But not for you guys. And I'm not saying that you're dumb. I'm just saying this isn't for you. It's almost like you have a little bit of autism where you're probably great at something, but you don't understand fucking irony. (laughs) I'm like, this isn't for you. Oh, I had that crowd last night. I've had had that that crowd a million times. In Minnesota, I had that crowd. Oh, Minnesota. Mine was in Minnesota. (laughs) It was in Mall of America. America. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, it's the same fucking crowd. How, how's some Cause comedy? Yeah, that's where, exactly. <laughs> I literally told them, because I was doing something benignly racial. Benign. Yeah. Like, I'll well, do racial yeah, stuff, yeah. and, they, and it, there's, it's just so white. And I even told them, I go, I know where you're coming from, and you think you're doing a good thing, but you're not. You just don't know anyone that isn't just like you.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so fucking funny. Mine was last night, and I had, like, uh, it was really bizarre because, like, one guy was actually telling me, you're doing really bad. And I was like, <laughs> Shut up!" I swear to God, I'm, I swear on my children. That's hilarious. I will hilarious. post this today. I'm going to post this today. And anyone that was at that show, please text Owen, or tweet Owen. Yeah. There was an old guy that was like 77, and he just wasn't laughing. And he's like, "You're doing really bad." And I was like,
1: <laughs> "That's like the funniest thing." I've like, you could see though, if you're a fan yeah. of comedy, that would be
0: awesome. And I know. Oh, uh, there were there were. I'm going to say. Forty percent of the audience we're just
1: loving it, loved what they saw
0: last night. Right, loved it, and then a solid sixty, like a black dude fell asleep, like uh, like just fell, he was with a white chick, and the white chick was loving me, but he just was like head back right. in that center aisle, <laughs> just head back, and I could see him. It was like, yeah. it's, and there were literally forty five people last night. There were well, black dudes people. can sleep sitting up. Uh, dude, don't get me started about. Black people are sleeping
1: they nap they I, can nap within within literally one minute
0: I used to have a joke that everyone groaned at everyone fucking groaned at and it never worked and I said, you guys want to hear a brand new stereotype not even out yet I got this brand new stereotype that I witnessed because i'm'm per, I'm perceptive right. Black people have the ability to fall asleep anywhere it's a fact and everyone would groan let me tell you something that fucking black dude fell asleep in the cargo part of the Alaskan Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> And That's that hilarious. shit kills now. Right, right, right. And they're like, everyone's like, yeah, I guess we can't fall. Like, and brothers, no black man ever has ever said, yeah, I have a hard time falling asleep.
1: Oh, dude, Roy Wood Jr., when we were shooting Sullivan and Son, like, <laughs> we'd have t- a 10-minute break. He'd get nine minutes of sleep. <laughs> like, it takes me like a half hour to an hour to like wind down. I have dude, to have like, my environment perfect. What a great cast that was. I'm, I'm being serious. I'm, I know how
0: talented you are, right? Roy Roy's I never, insane. I didn't never realize how the intelligent best. he is. Oh my god, he's like one of my favorite comics alive. I we did. I fucking hung out with him one day. I, I went the day you didn't do um, stand up live. Yeah, we went and did. I was casting for Trip Flip, and we went and I did a guest set on the show. Oh, that's awesome. Everyone fucking murdered Ahmed, Roy, Steve, and I was like, what a talented fucking cast. I guarantee you, uh, seven years from now, everyone's going to look back and be searching to buy those DVDs.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just Steve is insane and he's one of the most giving people beyond giving. I mean, Steve's just I mean, I'm reading a book right now called uh Givers and Takers. Yeah. And it's it's good to see that like givers actually do better in life and Steve's like one of the biggest givers I've ever seen ever. He's
0: uh he I I'll say this without uh without uh sarcasm or anything he's one of my favorite human beings around fact and i and i just i, I and he's it's interesting the way he lives his life because he does make money and he is focused but he's also very like not focused about money like he goes look 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 like were well, you guys doing that tour i don't know what the deal was but i know no he could have made he were. could
1: have made four times more money. Four times we, money we were breaking even like we yeah. weren't even profiting and that was to bump up the ratings and to make sure because he insisted that we all went and his agents were like just make it just you and he could have made like a ton of cash and he didn't
0: i know i know exactly how much money he could have made because i know how much money you guys were probably making and that could have all been his and he just didn't and i was like god damn it man that's it's not a and by the way it's not even about the ratings it's about him believing in everyone and that's why you guys were all
1: cast is like and by and by the way that those are the people that get their own show because it's like yeah you know money's more of um it's a byproduct, and but this is when he cares about money, and this is when a lot of these type of people care about money, is when it's about respect, yeah. or when it's a commodity about, about, yeah, like respect, where if someone fucks you over, then money matters, or it's like, but if it's about something like that, he'd make the decision 10 times out of 10 to showcase, because if, if we kept going, he bet on us, you know, if we kept yeah. going, if TBS didn't get a new president, you know, we, we were is selling the group, yeah. They cancel like everything, but it's all good. It that's fine. You know, what
0: you got the way you got to look at it is, uh in, in all honesty, and I, and I've been in this situation a number of times. I've, every show you ever get on gets canceled. I was the best right. thing I ever learned. Is uh, but you got to look at everything as like as gracious and going. That was the greatest opportunity. Oh, hundred percent. Thank totally. you so much. Yeah. like it stinks that it's not going forward. But if you ever need me for anything, like I mean, when, when I got the day I got this man cave, the day I got this man cave, Travel Channel called me and told me Birth Conqueror was canceled. And I remember, I remember having like being like bummed and like m- little, little heartbroken. But I remember my wife. I just done Letterman, oddly enough, and right. my wife brought out a Letterman coffee mug with full of coffee, and she said, "What's going on?" I said, "Birth of Concrete just got canceled." And she's like, why? And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter why. I'm just grateful to have had that experience and get all this. And now it's time to move forward. Totally. And it's like, it's the greatest feeling. And then let me tell you something. Birth Conqueror starts up again. In fucking two weeks, they picked it up after two years of being canceled. They just called up and they're like, hey, you want to do more? Amazing. And, so, and, and, and I, I write it off to, great greatest lesson I ever learned is to just be like, your feelings are hurt. You're bummed out. Don't say anything. Just sit there and go, you know what? This part of the business, I get it, and, and it's like, and, and I've been working for the network for six years. It's like the fucking greatest thing
1: ever. Yeah, happened. and it's like, especially if if they cancel it, sometimes it's like they know something you don't, because yeah. if, if they if they do you the respect and let you be yourself and you be funny, you have to give them the executive respect and you know not ask a ton of questions if shit gets canceled.
0: Yeah, I, I'm never, I'm not that guy, like, I'm not, Steve probably is actually more this guy, but Steve's a little more business heavy. I'm not the guy that I ever asks about ratings. I never ask about ratings. I don't right. want to know ratings. I go, hey, if, it's, if you're airing it next week, I guess the ratings are okay. Right, right. And if you're not, then I guess we're getting canceled. I'm going to have to have a beer. I'm sorry.
1: I'll do it. Hell yeah.
0: Oh, I think this is fucking flat. I think this might be flat.
1: No, I mean, my goals in life are so low that everything's just gravy at this point. You know, I just want to have what like a are your car. Goals in life?
0: uh what do you girls in career like let's start with life because i always find a guy like you is like you're not like the regular comic you know you're not you're not like uh you're you're there's you're there's two things interesting about you that i don't don't think anyone know but like you're amazingly charismatic in life like you're the kind of person that every uh every shopping attendant that's taking wants to wait on because oh, thanks, you just will make them smile, but no, but you're, but but it it speaks volumes about your career because your career has been pretty fascinating to watch. Like you, like just to hear you go, oh, I'm doing this or I'm doing that, like uh, like, but it says a lot about you. It's like you're very charming and you're very you're very personable, but you're but you're also extremely talented. And so I'm always fascinated, like what someone like you wants to do. If you're focused about what you want to do, or if you just go, you know what, wherever my nose takes me.
1: Yeah, I think it's like I like uh completing small tasks. It's kinda like the Did I Do Good thing. Yeah. Where that's why people are like, Oh, you're so talented at the piano. I'm like, No. I mean it's almost like a Malcolm Gladwell book. You ever read Fucking obsessed with Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah. It's, it's 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 when I was reading that, that outliers book, I'm like Exactly. I'm like, it's not it's not about like talent. It's not like it's almost like speaking a language where I just put in the hours I would I would hear a song and just, I have like an obsessive quality where I'm like, I have to figure out how to play this. And I would just do it for hours and hours and hours. And that's why I can play the piano. And people are like, you know, you're just, you have that knack. And I'm like, no, I just focus very short. Ironically, (laughs) I think I've, I've been fairly successful in life just because I, my focus is so shallow. Like, I'm like, (laughs) I'm really thirsty. Like, you know, I'm very like in my immediate surroundings. Yeah. So I don't really have goals. I never really, I was like, like, oh, me and Thune, like, me and Thune have a camera, you know? (laughs) And it would just be that simple. It would never be this, like, master plan vibe. And I think that's one reason why, you know, thanks for saying that. I I don't want to sound cocky, but people like being around me, I think, because I don't have that, like, sometimes you're around someone and you feel, like, that manipulative Pull where it's like what they're do they looking, want from me looking
0: over your shoulder if someone right. walks in they stop talking to you yeah 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 you never you, I, I, and it's one of the things i said that like i liked you is i never felt like you had that like i i remember distinctly i remember the first time i saw you on stage and i was like and it was i saw you and through at the same time and swardson was in the back and they're like he's they're fucking hilarious and then we went out and i think the three of us sat out at the bar and drank or the four of us i, mean, I don't know if nick did but i remember me you and nick did yeah and i remember just being like Oh, he's too young to know that he shouldn't be talking to us. He should be looking over our shoulder. And then like a year later, you're still just the same person. And then I remember I ran into you one time and you were like, I think you had, I think we had a conversation about money and buying houses or something. But you but it was like the most do you remember this? It was like a very honest you were like you're like, hey man, what am I supposed to do with money? Like <laughs> and I was like I was like, I don't know, man. And I was like, I don't know, I tore through mine. Right. You're like
1: you're like, yeah, I know, but should I buy a house or something? Right, like, right, right. <laughs> no, that's so true. Because my parents are both professors, so they're very like you know, they gave you the hope of, like, you, you deserve to do whatever you want, yeah. like, life is fucking yours, yeah. but they don't have any money. So yeah. it's like, oh, we don't know what to do with money. Oh, I <laughs> it's <remember>. like, but <laughs> you should take, like, whatever you want, do. Because yeah. I think that's what a lot of, um, what makes people poor is uh, just that attitude of, like, that you should be poor. It's my you wife yeah where your wife is that, what, that right
0: was. and i and i am different in that i I didn't grow up with i didn't I, I didn't grow up personally with money but I didn't grow up without money right and then when I left for college my dad did have money right so but i never my dad never made me stress about money so i like whereas he might have been in the red every fucking month I never worried about money and I always just assumed we had it yeah and so I always have lived my life like it'll show up money'll
1: show and up that's the way to do it because yeah. it just does show up yeah
0: i remember I remember you saying like like I, I'm gonna say numbers. You don't have to agree or don't agree with this. Totally. But you're like, like, I think I have like seven hundred thousand dollars in the bank. I don't know what to do with it. And I was like, Oh, I spent that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's gone. That's gone, buddy. <laughs>
0: and I, I was like, I was like, Yeah, you should definitely buy a house. You're like, What, what do I like? by no but like, like what if i don't get another job and i was like oh i don't know right no, I'm like, I, I'm that, that. I got two kids and i'm in that moment right
1: now <laughs> i my next wave of income i did get a condo and then i got another condo so i'm renting out one condo Ooh. but that but that 700 all that went that was uh
0: what was it wait did you really was that a real number that you said
1: it was probably closer to like 500 or 550 yeah. and i didn't understand uh our tax structure <laughs> so yeah that i just tore through that because i think if if, wait, wait, wait. if taxes didn't exist i, I would have i budgeted well if taxes didn't exist but <laughs> you know they do and the way we're taxed is like later like you get this check and then like 6 months later they're like hey guys uh you got to give us half of that shit and you're like oh now i'm back to zero uh, georgia <laughs> the birth of georgia georgia
0: my oldest uh i had gotten birth conqueror. i got or no uh tr- bert hurt Bert. i was making uh 13,000 16,000 dollars an episode. Fucking Gee, That's six, awesome. 6 episodes. Fucking greatest. Yeah. And I was like, done. I was like, oh, breathing room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I'd had all this money before, and I was like, and I literally had had, like, I mean, no one likes when you talk numbers, but I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I had, like, half a million dollars before. Now I got this another chunk of, like, fucking, like, 60 grand or 80 grand, 90 grand, whatever it is. I'm like, oh, I go, you know what? I'm going to take two months off before George is born so I can see the birth. Yeah. And my manager calls me, my business manager calls me, like, a month and a half before she's born. He's like, you're out of money. I was like, what? And he's like, we had to pay taxes. You have no money Right, left. right, right. I remember calling my That's dad. That's happened to me so many times. I called my dad and I go, Dad, I'm out of money. And he, he started laughing and he goes, welcome to being a man and just hung up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, because a lot of people don't realize that we also pay, you know, agent, manager, business yeah. manager, lawyer, and the government. So we get like the smallest part of our checks.
0: Oh, do you know who introduced me to that? Do you remember Rob Cantrell? Yeah. Rob Cantrell one time goes... Uh, we're he's we're talking about featuring. I was getting seven hundred bucks a week featuring for Jay Moore. Right. And Rob Cantrell's like, I can't fucking live off this. I go it's not that bad and he goes, We gotta give half to fucking Barry and our agents and I was like oh i I haven't been paying them oh that's hilarious (laughs) i literally was like fuck (laughs) that's
1: hilarious and
0: i was like i remember going home to my wife going like hey just giving you a heads up we're gonna get a big bill coming in the mail
1: oh dude it comes so late yeah like sometimes i'll see in magazines it's like oh this actor gets 20 million for a movie i'm like oh no way they just got six million for a movie (laughs) yeah
0: oh that's (laughs) it's it's so fucking bizarre how that works right i i tore through i got did had merch sales and did good in Minnesota, and I tore through that buying presents for the girls, because I was lonely. Totally. And I'm just in the Mall of America, and I just fucking... I always spend
1: all my merch money. It's just gone. <laughs> what do you gonna, sell for merch? Uh, 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 bumper stickers that say uh, Full Bellies Empty Balls with a Peace sign in the middle, because I do a bit about how that's... You know, it's my reaction to the hipster war is not the answer because yeah. they don't give an answer, so I now give an answer where it's uh, <laughs> like no man will go to war if he has a full belly and empty balls. Yeah. And that's the way to bring our men and women home from Afghanistan.
0: It's, uh, that's <laughs> it's about uh, draining balls. Stannis Brathian, I think, said that. Yes, he did. Stannis. <laughs> Are you into Game of Thrones?
1: Oh, fuck yeah. I'm obsessed. I want to do a, a sketch where it's a weatherman uh, in Game of Thrones that just keeps saying winter's coming. <laughs> And they're like, no, but like, what's the forecast? are like, winters. It's like you've been saying that for three years. The north never forgets, right? It's like <laughs> after three years, apparently winter isn't coming. Yeah. It's uh. uh I, do you watch Black Sails? First season, yeah. Second season out yet? Oh,
0: uh, yeah, and it's fucking amazing. I love Black Sails. I, I love, love stars. I, yeah me too boss was sick it's interesting do you remember when you started do, was this business set up when you started that there were certain networks you just probably wouldn't work with you're like eh, i don't know i'll pass
1: yeah and now i would literally work with any, any network single one of I, them. dude I'd, I'd be like yo i got a holding deal with fucking alta vista <laughs> Like, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do, Yahoo. I'd do anything. Like, a website. I'd be like, yo, you porn's gonna, uh, they're gonna let me write a fucking sitcom. I wish, I wish that it was okay to do porn. I think you can make funny fucking porn. Hilarious. Dude, I think about that all the time. Hilarious We're, porn. How about this for a porn? It's just a porn, like a straight porn, and that just keeps cutting to the dogs watching. Because <laughs> th- my dogs always watch me have sex, so it's like, you know, and you're like, bang, and then you just look over, and they're just staring at you. Yeah you know it's just like on the corner of the bat like it's just a, a straight up porn and then it just cuts to the dogs
0: I smacked Leanne on the ass one time this is when Pris was like Pris was like a year old she was like 130 pounds Yeah, a year old and I smacked Leanne on the ass one time and Priscilla was like that's not happening in my bedroom Right. And Priscilla went after me and I was it was for the funniest fucking five seconds I got really scared
1: that's super
0: funny. Yeah, like, I, you know what's so crazy? I watch so much porn these days. I'm actually going to try to stop this month. But, like, have you ever seen Backdoor Casting Couch? Yeah. Um, if you watch enough of it, he sounds like John Favreau. Like it sounds like, like John. Is there a
1: chance it is John Favreau? I'm
0: praying to God. By the way, I would recognize this guy in a gym locker room with his distended belly button and his fucking <laughs> and his shoulder surgery. That's and hilarious. I, I recognize his dick. And I recognize that guy. I've never seen his face, but I could right. pull that guy out of a fucking naked lineup. That's hilarious, dude.
1: What um, what uh, are you on the road a lot now? Uh, I'm shooting a show for Esquire for two weeks. What is it? It's called uh, United States of Burger about finding the best hamburger yeah a lot of eating i'm gonna eat my fucking oh, face i fucking love that you're gonna love that yeah i love hamburgers oh you're gonna
0: dude I Esquire love network sweet es- i gotta be honest with you man esquire network's doing some great stuff they're making
1: some good moves they're, they're saw- doing the best bar one who's on that it's uh is it jay-, jay larson is hosting a show about finding the best bar jay
0: larson and i, I want to remember the other guy's name is it sean Pat- sean, patton. Sean, patton. sean patton sean patton's I'm and there's not look. I I can break down things as a guy who's been hosting script or uh, unscripted reality for f- fucking the majority of my career. Right, I can break down t- things and tell you why things are good. Jay is a fantastic host. He gets all the information that that the producers need out in every conversation. Sean Patton is fucking hilarious. Sean Patton is unhinged. He has no job in that show except to have a good time. And I literally watched it the other night and I was like, this is a great fucking episode. I'm watching two guys drink. Sean Patton is... Killing me because right. clearly Jay's been talking to the producers and Sean's been drinking, and then all of a sudden these girls come over and Sean's
1: fucking hilarious with the two of them. Right, right, right. I, it's a good You got great, some advice for me for uh, unscripted hosting? 100%. I could yeah, take anything you
0: need. Uh, well, we're not going to give it to your heroes. That's free. Tap, tap, tap. Oh, yeah. That's um, a good it's point. I'll tell
1: you what. I, I, would, be, I just forgot I was holding a microphone. I'll tell you the honest
0: truth. This is my, this is what Esquire wants. Okay. They don't need it to be funny. Okay. So don't worry about being funny. Right. You'll be funny and being yourself. Yeah. A lot of it is just uh just and, and don't worry about getting the information out cuz that's all going to be covered in voiceover. It's if you're just have a good time in the moment. Right. The one thing I've found is that if you fu- if you seek out passion in other people, then then the sh- the segment's fantastic. Right. So when you talk to the guy about like about burgers, you know, or like like I talked to the guys about like uh rock climbing. Yeah. I just just listen. Uh, really, it's like acting. Probably, I'm not the best actor, but I think it's just if you listen to them, you're going to be naturally funny in the moment, regardless. Right. It's, don't worry. Like one liners never work, uh, bits never work, um, shtick never works. It's it's real, translatable humor, which is you hanging out with your friends that they're that they're purchasing from you. Right. It's, and so so. Like, I don't know if they'll have you do reads or anything, but don't stress about the reads. They're, they're going to patch that. Everything is so... Like, I used to worry about big, long reads when I did Birth the Conqueror. So we'd have to be like, oh, I'd be in front of a 1,000 people at a fucking theme park. I'm Bert Kreischer. I'm here in Cedar Point, uh, Ohio, to do the Fearsome Foursome Challenge, to ride the four fastest. And, and I'd have to do it. It was like a paragraph of dialogue. Right. And I used to get so fucking nervous about it. But the truth was, and I didn't learn this until after doing a season... That whole continuous read never gets used. They always patch it together, and then they show clips. Yeah. And so so, it literally, you could fuck this up entirely, and the show will be fantastic in the post. Right. Because they're going to make it fantastic. Cool. I mean, it's just going to be, what what a show like this, you know, it, you get caught up in what you think it should be, but you forget what I want it to be as a viewer. I just want to see a guy enjoy a fucking burger right. and tell me where to go to get it. That's it. Yeah. And and, I, and and if you can make me giggle in your analogies, the hardest part about you, what your, your job is going to be is describing the burger. Because they, they're going to want you to describe what you're tasting and what you're enjoying and what, why you like it. So what I've always done in that – and I, I, if you want, I'll send you some of my food stuff. But I'll, I swear to God, I, I always – I mean not, not to give it away, but like I always skip trying to describe it like a chef. And just describe it in, like, words like, oh, my God, this is, like, the first time you held hands with a chick. Right. Like, for me, that always works best to describe, like, the moment for me as opposed to getting into, like, because I'm not Andrew Zimmern and I'm not Anthony Bourdain and I'm not uh, anyone like Adam Richman. I can't go, like, it's the nuttiness that I like or (laughs) it's the cumin. Right. You know, oh, there's horseradish in there. Like instead of I taste horse I go God, I feel like I'm getting bucked off a bronco. But it's that's the taste. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I I think an eating show that, especially burgers, man. You you're talking to all of us, like all of us.
1: I, I'm excited to see you do it. I I'm think. pumped. And I'm where, super you, where pumped. are you doing it at? Uh St. Louis. When? Uh, I leave Friday. Are you serious? I, yeah, I'm doing the Hollywood Improv Thursday. If you want to just hang out, it's because uh, my I'm gonna have like a birthday hangout Thursday at eight. Oh, and nice. then I go do this for a week in St. Louis, and then I'm closing out uh, at the Chicago Improv in Schaumburg. How many anime. are you doing? Just a
0: pilot? Or are you doing a series? Uh,
1: six episodes. Oh, fantastic. Yeah.
0: Well, you, here's the other thing is that you'll shoot six. They'll take the best one. They'll air that as the pilot. That'll be the pilot, and that'll get the big numbers, and then you get the reorder off that. I mean uh, that'd be awesome I love
1: that shit I love because I think that's why they like me because kind of like what you're saying is I just get really excited about things it's because it's not about I'm a good offensive lineman that's why I played you know I played tight end where it's like I know my positions I think that's why Steve liked me on Sullivan and son and all that. It's like I think it's very comparable to sex yeah where it's like if you're if you're just like I'm going to pump like this, and you yeah. don't like, feel <laughs> any feedback, and you just stick with your pump plan, it's going to be pretty bad sex. Yeah. But if you're just kind of doing the give and take, and you know your role, and it's not really about you, it's kind of like a dude in a threesome. It's more about the girls' connection. Yeah. It's like that with comedy and, and acting and stuff. It's, it's entirely. You're going to have the blast on the series. I yeah, mean- it's like no one cares about our dicks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, like we do
1: but no one else fucking cares i
0: genuinely care i, I, care. I saw, care a lot about my dick i saw an advertisement on the right side of you porn of like the example of a small dick and i go oh that's what i look like when i shave my pubes <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I trim my pubes to get an extra half inch
0: oh I, tr- I my my joke was uh i cut back the bushes so i can see more sidewalk
1: <laughs> that's hilarious
0: i used to cut like a f- dude swear to you so what I would do is say this middle finger is my dick. Right. I would trim up the pubis. Yeah. Like a little bit higher than where dick was. Yeah. Now I'm getting into just just pubis. Right. So that it looked like there was an extra inch of dick.
1: It's an illusion. Yeah. It's an illusion. And if you cross your eyes, it's a sailboat. <laughs> yeah.
0: I used to take it. I used to take it. I used to take it one further. I used to do when I was this is when I was skinnier, like probably like one ninety. Like I would draw. I would draw in. <laughs> In Magic Marker, I would draw, like, a sunrise. I'd shave it down to, like, a three or, like, a four or six. And I'd draw a sunrise, and then I'd trim everywhere that wasn't marker. Then I'd wash off the marker, and it looked like I have a sunrise. And then girls would see the sunrise and not the dick. Are you serious? I swear to all my children. That's incredible. Like, you have, like, legit artistic... I'm extremely artistic. Like I really, genuinely, believe I'm str- like I'm one of those guys. But I'm not like artistic. Like I couldn't draw a sunset, but I could trace the fuck out of one. Like,
1: like. <laughs> yeah, you makes- commit. It's almost like autistic. Like I'm yeah. the same way. Where it's, it's we're not our, where we'll just really commit to a task. Yeah, yeah. That's like me and piano. Everyone's like, "Oh, it's so artistic." I'm like, "I think you mean autistic." Oh, I because got- I'll play the same fucking thing for nine straight hours, and that's why I'm good at it.
0: I uh, I get I get I, Leanne, my wife makes fun of me because I trace. I like tracing. Tracing awesome. It calms me down. Yeah, and she's like, you're, "Yeah, you're that's fucking that's you're a waste of your time." I go, "No, it's not. I'm having anxiety, and now I'm just tracing an owl." We I just need
1: tasks. Yeah, it's it's part of my book. It's about we're task oriented. So now, where are you in writing the book? Just uh, outline. I'm trying to write passages now. I think because I think there's. It's it's stuff that needs to be said. I think yeah. a lot of fighting in relationships are based around women not understanding that we just need to be told to do something and then we'll seek your approval.
0: How many how many how many chicks have you dated since you got to Hollywood? Dated? Like like serious.
1: Mm, serious, serious? Uh three and a half to f- like four yeah. probably. Are you a monogamist
0: or are you one of those like... Now I am. I didn't used to be.
1: Really? Yeah. I, I used to hate monogamy, but now I like it. take tear it's, through pussy for a while. I just... I would get so sick. I just would get so sick of people. Like I really? would... Uh, yeah. I would be like, why not just keep crushing? You know? <laughs> and now I see... Like and I'm not just saying this. No, I like I really. That. I
0: love that phrase. Why not just keep crushing? Just crush.
1: Yeah. It's like it's just adventure. I don't want to. I didn't want anyone holding me back from any type of adventure. Yeah. Rather it's because a lot of times it wasn't even about other women. It was just like don't ever tell me what I should do. Like yeah. I want to do anything I wanted anytime. Oh. You know? Because girls would even like you're at the improv till 4 a.m. It's like yeah, like that's <laughs> what I wanted to do. Like don't ever say not to do that. Uh, my buddy who's who's passed who I've talked about a bunch on this podcast yeah.
0: was uh is was identical to that. Right. He, he used to, me and him one I remember he used to get obsessive and compulsive about crushing leaves under his foot. Like he yeah. loved it, like when fall when there were leaves on the ground, he'd love stepping on leaves and talking. And uh, he's <laughs> one of the most interesting human beings I've ever met in my entire yeah. life. And he's, I remember me and him came up with this analogy that uh you can't stop a horse from running totally like we like to and we it was this analogy of we were horses on the top of a mountain and we just like sprinting up to the side of the mountain and stopping right at the edge because we knew our own strength and then the women came up i haven't talked about this in forever women came up with like apples and carrots to try to tame the horse and pet right. it. and you're like yeah but you gotta understand that when you go to run like that's we you want to watch us run. You saw us running. That's what you saw. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just are like, why do you run anymore? Now, next thing you know, the joke was, next thing you know, you gotta run. And she pulls the reins back. She's like, Oh, we don't do shots at a child's party. And you're like, <laughs> and you're
1: like, what the fuck? Well, yeah, and the and the craziest thing is that a lot of dudes don't realize is if they give in to that, then a lot of times the women aren't attracted anymore. Because yeah. what they liked about you was that vibe. But then they're like, I'm at a place now where I, it's it's like give and take and i and I really just enjoy being around my girl a lot, so yeah. I don't know Is she in the business no, she's not, but it's just like I get it like if you have sex with the same person enough, it actually gets better than if you're it's different people. it's almost like you have to i don't know it's no, just you I'm, don't have I'm to into monogamy me. now no
0: i dude, I've been with my my wife for twelve years, and i like i i mean don't get me wrong, I definitely. I, I did a fucking hot milf contest in Phoenix, and I yeah. definitely have thought about this one chick like four or five times. Right, right. But like, but is it? Do I want some Rocco Sofretti stuff where I'm sitting on a girl's face jerking off? No. Yeah, no, right. But exactly. but you see that and you go, ah. Uh, but but the truth is, the sex I have with Leanne is like leaps and bounds better than any sex I've ever had in my entire For life, sure. and I'll never get better. And it's and it's connected. Like when I when I. Like, and I'm, this sounds really fucking disgusting, but when I have an orgasm, I've never felt like I've loved someone more.
1: Yeah, because it's almost like after the orgasm, that's like the full bellies, empty balls thing, you become who you really are, and there'd be so many times where you have an orgasm with someone you don't care about, and the first thing you think is like, how do I get to the highway how do I get from out of here? here? Yeah. yeah, how do
0: I get the fuck out of here? And
1: it's like, when you have an orgasm with someone you, you care about, you're like, oh, I'm going to sleep so good. Yeah. I remember I remember
0: having sex with someone one time in college, and she was like... I had an orgasm. She's like, let's just sleep in- with you inside me. And I was like, oh, my God. You're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> fuck, no. I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here quick. My friends are probably smoking pot over the house. Yeah. And I want to watch snowboarding videos. <laughs> Listen That's to Blind mellis.
1: <laughs> yeah, because uh, 99% of it wasn't even about sex. It was like, I just never wanted to be told anything about what I should. And now that I'm like, you know, cleaning up after myself and like not being out. Like, I'll be out, but not like crazy. Yeah. She's like. Just don't be out after two. And I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. Yeah. You know, she's like, what the hell do you do from two to four? I'm like, well, you know, I know the manager, so we just keep playing the piano. She's like, but that's, like, crazy. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so now, you know, and now when I, like, visit my brother and his kids, like, he's genuinely older. Like, or younger? Older. He's got two kids. He's like, dude, you become, like, a lot more thoughtful of other people. I'm like, and I started realizing it's because I live with a woman now, and I, like, now that's my thing. Yeah. Where I ha- and and it's made me like a better person in that sense. Where it's like, I don't know. It, it just you know, there's a selfishness about being single that you kind of grow out of. It's a selfishness to being a man. It's it's uh, my
0: buddy Lorenzo. When my wife and I dated for like four months and then she dumped me. And I remember being like, "You just don't get me." And my my buddy Croy was right there for me. He was like, "Don't worry, man. We just start running." I remember the first thing he said is, "Let's come up. Let's make our own sandwiches tomorrow. Let's make up a brand new sandwich." And it was like single guy shit. And I was yeah. like, and I was like, yeah. And so we made this sandwich, uh, like a fucking Monte Cristo, but with peanut butter and jelly. That's awesome. And it was like, and we were just like, this is fucking like this is what it's like. But then I was like, and then I remember my buddy Croy saying,
1: "Hey, man." you don't want to be the old guy in the club you don't and he's like you definitely and by the way and blaming that it's because girls are crazy that's the funniest part where yeah. they're like i just can't find the right girl it's like oh the one that wants to like let you piss on the floor yeah. cuz they're not out there <laughs> you know what i mean it's like you will never it's like oh i got to move cuz of gravity yeah it's like bro gravity's everywhere like yeah. you'll never find a like women have that that contradiction where they can be totally crazy but it's typically for a reason, and, and I think it's because their stakes are a lot higher. Like, when a girl has sex, there's a chance that she gets pregnant, and that's an 18-year commitment. And the fucking horse gets to run, but she's got to, like, have this little horse. So, you know, like, I think it's good to be single and, and free and stuff in a good chunk of your life to really discover who you are. My
0: wife. It's I'll my wife it.
1: right now going, is the oven clean? We're having people over tonight. But she's, like, right, though. Yeah. That's the oh, craziest yeah. shit. There comes a time when it's, like, not – it's not cute anymore to have a dirty oven. When you're, like, 24, it's, like, kind of funny. It's, like, Owen's got sauce on his face, and now it's, like, Owen's uh, about to turn 35. He has fucking sauce on his face. (laughs) You know? So it's, like, now I'm – it's, like, good that I'm in this zone. I remember
0: going to somewhere – I don't know. I don't remember when this was, but, like, uh, we drank absinthe and got high. This is, like, a long time ago. Right and i had georgia georgia was a baby Ah, oh, we were camping out in catalina me and my buddy chris drank some absinthe and smoked pot and, yeah and uh this is like super depressing to say but like i got fucking wasted and we were getting on the boat and i just was not a responsible parent and liam was like we got home and Leanne was mad passed out i woke up the next morning she was really angry i go what are you angry about she goes Hey, you're responsible for someone's life. Yeah. Like you can't just fucking tap out. It's not party time anymore. Like you need to be like I don't need I don't need you to be sober, but you can't drink absinthe <laughs> and smoke pot. Like, this isn't fucking spring break." And I was like, "Oh, well, I you're really not- good at partying."
1: Me? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like you're one of the most fun people to drink with all time.
0: I'm a, I'm I I've uh I I I tell you what, I I it's I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I hope to God I'd call Steve Byrne and ask him. But I wanna say I introduced Steve to Enjoying the Road.
1: Uh, and Jameson uh, do you, Yeah. do
0: you did you get him into Jameson? When when we no, he got he was on Jameson's tour before me, but he wasn't like it, Steve's Steve's never been like a really big he's not a big partier. Like he's he was Steve honestly swear to God Steve is a pretty fucking quiet guy who doesn't like he's
1: like pretty confident in himself. And then very we, Very kind, like to the point where I seek his approval as if he's my girlfriend. I
0: fucking feel like calling him right now just so I can make sure that this is accurate. But like, I'll tell you right now, we did the first season, first week of Jameson. And I was like, and he was like watching documentaries on his computer, being healthy, he was running. Well,
1: he's half Korean, half Irish. So it's like he has, he's half like (laughs) Musk and everything done. And then the other half is like, we're never going to die. And and it's like, you have to pull each side out of him.
0: I'm going to, I'm fucking going to call him B-Y. So, um. He still has a 917 number? What the fuck's wrong with this guy? <laughs> he's he's committed. And so, uh, and so we did one gig. I remember the look in his eyes. I'm being dead serious when I say this. I remember one gig specifically, the look in his eyes, and he just looked at me and goes, Oh, yeah. Like, and almost like we don't have to go to sleep like after the show. We can stay up all night. And I remember we were in
1: Minnesota. And I picture we, you being like a demon, like you're the devil. You're like, come with me. Yeah. And, and I remember to Come into the shadows,
0: like, Steven. I remember you like, yeah. He's not fucking answering. He's probably hanging out with Vince Vaughn. Did yeah. you have to hang out with Vince Vaughn much? Oh, yeah. He's, he was the producer of Sullivan. Did he, uh, does Vince Vaughn. The other thing about Steve is that he doesn't have a problem sharing famous friends. That's a weird thing in Hollywood. People think because they have a famous friend, they don't want to share it or like introduce you to them. Because what if you become better friends? Steve did a show one night and he was like booked all his friends. And then Vince was there, and then he asked all those people that were on stage to come out and hang out with Vince and Brian Billig. Not Brian Billig, Brian Pete Billingsley. Pete Billingsley, yeah. And it was so interesting. I was like, I was like, this so bizarre because. In this business,
1: so many people trying to um, single off people, and that's not Steve, he right? Was like, and that's why Steve's successful, and that's why Vince was like his best man. Yeah, it's like because he he he's treats people like human beings, regardless of fame or no fame.
0: He's you know I don't think I've ever appreciated him as much as I appreciate him talking to you right now. But like he really is a genuine, genuine, genuine person, and his feelings are genuine. It's like I gotta be honest with you. You know who else is like that a little bit? Everyone's gonna groan when I say this. But you know who's very genuine who? is Tosh. Yeah, I like Tosh. I've he's, always liked Tosh. He's a very genuine guy. Like, he'll call you up and go, hey, I'd like to hang out. Do you want to do something? Right. Like, it's not, there's no pretense. He didn't give a fuck. Like, he called me up right after the first time I ever worked at Tosh. He called me up and he goes, uh, so I had a really good time this weekend. Do you want to come down to the cam- Comedy Magic? I can get you a spot. And That's I was awesome. like, I was like, yeah. So, and I, I went down and we hung out and, and it was like really fun. And then he was like, I'll, "I'll talk to you later." And then he called one day, and he's like, "Hey, uh, what are you doing tonight?" I was like, "Nothing." I mean, this is by the way, this is obviously what he's as famous as today, but but it's the same same person, the same right. th- thing. Steve is, yeah. And Steve's that same way. Is that like they don't give a fuck about what you can get them, it's, right? I, I'm not.
1: I don't know if I'm that way. I don't know if I'm not that way. I feel like I'm a good person, but I, I have tendencies where, like, for, like you know, you can't help yourself. Here's an example of me wanting to to siphon someone off. Was uh, I got a picture with uh, Paul McCartney? So Paul McCartney's at the improv. Yeah, for me, it's uh, it, it has to be on a pretty extreme level for me to feel those instincts. But yeah. so I'm at the improv. I get off stage and I just see someone wave me over, and it's fucking Paul McCartney. He's like, "Your set was so great. It was so groovy. Hold, hold on, oh, start this all over.
0: Right? I can't. I can't. It's you, like a mean, half- you're, you're, ta- you're talking about arguably." The greatest living musician alive.
1: Yeah, with either, you know, one of the top three most recognizable humans of the last century. Easily. And one of my personal favorite songwriters of all time. Uh, probably 80% eighty of, of America's favorite songwriters right. of all time. So I do a set with piano where I, like, literally make fun of Coldplay, and I, like, you know, and he's in the audience. Yeah. Do and you I, know he's in the audience? Uh, I did, but I pretended I didn't when he bro- called me over. That's the only reason I went on stage. Yeah, it's because I was like, "Holy shit, Paul McCartney's here!" I'm like, "Gotta do a guest spot."
0: Yeah. So I go off. Wait. So where are you? You're at the Hollywood Improv. Yeah. Who's
1: who's uh, who's is someone headlining or is it just? No, it's just like a random. Okay. That's why I, I kept it short. I didn't want to like be a dick, but I needed to perform in front of this dude. So he pull he, he like has me come over. We like he tells me how funny it was, and how great it was, and I'm like. Holy shit. So I like wait to like get a picture with him after. And like after he's like, oh, he was so toe. And I'm like, yeah. So he's like, he bring, we go into the bathroom and take funny pictures at a urinal. It's on my Instagram, swear to God. What's your Instagram so everyone can find it? Owen Benjam. Just add Owen Benjam. No, I am. Someone else, some little Asian baby took that one, I think. But anyway, so, so I get a picture with Paul McCartney and then we have these funny pictures and I'm like over the moon, so pumped. And then, like a week later, someone texted me that he was at the Improv again and people were doing pictures with him. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> That's when I felt that. I was like, yeah. he's mine. Yeah. I'm like, now it's getting watered down. Now there's going to be a lot of McCartney pictures with comics at the Improv. <laughs> I'm like, the no. I, is, what's Greg ma- Robinson doing? Yeah, I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, I made him laugh at the piano. He respected me. He fucking said it was groovy. He talks like uh, Austin Powers a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, this is getting watered down. And so I've never felt that way with uh, friendships, but I, I felt that way with McCartney picks. Where yeah. I'm like, no, I want to be the McCartney pick guy. The
0: the the, the, the clearest representation of that, and, and I – I don't know. Steve will know this. Steve. Steve would know this. Uh, I, I should have. See, I can't believe I haven't seen it. I haven't had Steve on the podcast. Um, but like Steve would know this that they used to call road comics. Road features would say, um, I forget the fucking exact terminology. They'd say you're his baby doll or something, or you're his uh, you're his baby. Who for Steve? For for any of us? Anyone you're that was headlining. Baby? So like so like Ryan Dalton would say, no, I'm Steve's. I'm fucking this up. I know I'm fucking this up. I know someone's going to say Ryan Dalton would be like, "I'm Steve's baby doll." And I'm fucking this up. I know I'm fucking this up. But that's what I think it is. And and so that meant that you would go on the road with him. So in a weird way, and Ryan Dalton didn't say Ryan Dalton may have said baby doll, but he didn't say what I'm about to say. But there was a there was a proprietary thing about like, "That's my headliner. Stay away from my headliner." Right. So it's don't like your bottom bitch. Don't yeah, don't meet my headliner. Uh, I don't want you to take my work away from me. And it was really kind of interesting is that you go into Pittsburgh and there'd be a couple guys like that's my I know I'm fucking this up but like that's my baby doll. <laughs> that's hilarious. And so and so they would and and so but the same thing happens with celebrities. It's like it's this is exact identical relationship. But Steve was never concerned about like introducing you to Vince that you would think Vince was more interesting or Vince would find you more interesting. Steve was comfortable in his relationship with him. I always, yeah. that, I always found that fascinating. I mean,
1: because it's like a lot of people treat celebrities like they're, they're girlfriends and not male friends.
0: Girlfriends. I think it was girlfriends. Oh, is that what it is? are it was on Baby Dolls. I think it was girlfriends. Yeah, because that's I, how I people know. treat it. It's yeah. like,
1: oh, it's like male friendships are based around, like, expanding the, the tribe and, like, yeah. everyone getting along. And people treat celebrities where it's like, oh, maybe they'll, like, have more of a connection. It's like, dude, it's just a bro. Like, it's yeah. just another guy we can hang with. And, uh... That's really funny, though, about features. It's almost like it would be funny if a headliner is like, oh, I had to get a new feature. He got too clingy. He's too needy. (laughs) He wouldn't let me hang out with other features. But that's
0: definitely happened to me. Really? (laughs) I've had to get new features because they've got too clingy.
1: I got a guy that opens for me on the road that is the Faraz Ozelli. You know Faraz? Uh Super chill and very confident in himself. He's really cool. I look. I like working.
0: I don't. I don't really have like a feature I take with me. Like full, Matt Fultron comes with me. He's a great guy. If if I can, if he can ever fit it in a schedule. But like, it's not like it's more like uh, Matt will just t- like on a Tuesday night take a look at my schedule for the next month and go. Oh, I could do that one and then call up because he'll be in the area. It's right. not like it's not like a, it's not like a set thing. I mean, I'd probably like it to be more of a set thing. But like, I like to, I like working with new people too because I like seeing I'd really feature for
1: you if you ever want. Shut up! I swear to God, I'm fucking following you. No, I did f- no piano. I won't even pull my cock no, out I'm and jerk for the audience. Th-
0: I'm not following you at all. I hate to bring <laughs> dude, your heart. That'd be great. I hate to bring your heart. I'm not following you at all. I <laughs> be fucking no. Uh, no, do we destroy? Way, yeah, you would definitely destroy. No, and then you destroy. <laughs> <laughs> that was, by the way, the most honest I've ever been in a very long time. Because I was like, I, normally I'm always like, yeah, 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 I'll follow anyone. But I was like, I've, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna tell you a secret. I did. Uh, I did. I don't I don't know if this is exactly how it works, but so I bring on a guy on stage, uh in Tampa. You've done Tampa, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I bring a guy on a black guy on stage and I said, uh I said, Let's dance or let's sing a song. Forget this I don't know what it I don't but I, the premise was let's sing a song together. So it was back in I might say back in my chaotic days, but I'm still there. But like I definitely was much more like I don't give a fuck about anything. Yeah. And so it's me and this black guy. And I go, I go DJ, just to the DJ booth, just play a song for us. And I go, and we'll sing it together. And he plays um, Journey. Don't Stop Believing? And the black guy didn't know? No, no, no. Black guy knew it totally. Black oh, cool. guy knew it totally randomly. And it was great. And we cut the music. And they sing with us. It's beautiful. And I'm like, that's fucking genius. That's my new bit. That's my new closing bit. Right. And I go to fucking DC. I want to say I went to DC or maybe I don't know where I was. But I go to say I'm going to do this closing bit with Don't Stop Believing, and they go, "That's Owen's closing bit." And I was like, "Mother, uh, not anymore." It was only for no, but, a few no, months, but this is this is so long ago. Right? This is so long ago. This is like uh, got to be like fucking what, whenever yours was six months. They go, "Owen did that," and I went, "Motherfucker, that DJ heard Owen did it, and he just plugged that in for me in Tampa because he heard Owen do it and it killed." So when I said hit a song, he hit Don't Stop Believing because it worked for you. That's hilarious. And I was like, "Motherfucker, I'll never do that again." And and I literally I was like I was like. When I heard that I was like, that is the greatest fucking thing. I would have done it for fucking five years.
1: That's and you what, did it for three months. And but that's one of the things that got me in with uh with Vince on his touring because that was my closer. And Vince was like he's like, Baby, we gotta fucking expand that shit. So we started I would start. I would do it, and then he would join. He'd be like, "Just a city boy." And then Kevin James oh would come on stage and be oh like, God. "A singer in a smoky room." And then Phaze on Love would come out, and then Steve Burner come out, and then we'd close with a boy band, "Don't stop," because I'd start. I do it on the piano, and then yeah. the real song would kick in halfway through, and then we would oh. close with like a huge. And I remember we did twenty theaters with that, and then, you know, six months later, I know that I'm not as valuable as. I'm not like that valuable to people on that level yeah. except for the closer cuz Vince would be like, "Oh, we need Don't Stop Believing.' let's get on, see if Owen can do this show." And so <laughs> it gave me value that I could do Don't Stop Believing.' Oh, it's, it's it, it would be like an ins- it would close so huge.
0: Oh, dude, I've only done it I've only done it once on stage in Tampa, and I'll tell you right now, it was destructive.
1: Now I close with uh, a a song I wrote called Over the Pants Handjob in in Walgreens. <laughs> it's called otph day where i because I, I i used to close with feel my heat because i wanted to do a i want because uh feel, feel feel oh that's uh oh that's from uh boogie, boogie nights. nights is that
0: not the same one no
1: oh. mine was uh mine was just random i i, I just tell the crowd i want to feel like what they feel so i'm like when i first start singing pretend that you know the song yeah. So I instruct them basically to treat me like journey, even though it's not. And I by the end it feels like a journey concert, even though it's like gibberish. Oh, that's fucking and great. And I'm like I'm like, You're in a Walgreens, and everyone's like, Ah and I'm like, You guys are like over the pants, hand job. And I get the crowd to go, In a Walgreens. Uh-huh. And it's like this huge anthem that never existed, but I make them act like it's their favorite song. Oh, that's and fucking great. And I get people great. to like like, they legitimately look emotional, even though I'm talking about a dude getting his wean rubbed in a Walgreens at a fucking uh, a heart pressure machine. Dude,
0: do you, like, so the first time you like, and I, I, I'm only saying this for people listening, because I think I know the answer, but I don't want to answer it for you. When you, the first time you do that, do you know what you're doing, or does it just show up, and then you fine tune it?
1: Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, for that one, I got to give a little credit to uh, Mr. Roy Wood Jr. Because I wrote a song called Over the Pants Handjob. And me and Roy were on stage fucking around during the Sullivan tour. All four of us had stand on stage. And he started, uh, we started doing a thing where he was singing soul, like soul music. And he was like, you're in a Walgreens. And that's how that stuck was Walgreens. And then it, it just kind of fused together. And really? uh, over the pants handjob. Did you Walgreens. write? Did
0: you write a ton when you were working with
1: those guys? Constantly. and It was because of Roy. Roy kept the the heat high. Because he'd was, have a new ten minutes every like three weeks, and we're like, what the fuck, Roy? He's
0: the most underrated comic out there right now. I'm being just, dead serious. He's, when I, say
1: that. I, I hate following Roy. I followed him every single show for three straight years, and it's the only time I've ever dropped a hard end on stage. <laughs> where uh, hard N. His Roy's closer is so fucking funny, and. I think stand-up comedy is one of the only professions where white pe- males can literally be like, I'm not allowed to do what black people can do. It's like, it's, it's legitimately racist against white people. Yeah. Because he does this uh, bit where he's like, gay people get stuff done. He's like, there's like eight, he's like, there's 30 words you can't call gay, gay, gay people. He's like, you could work in a fudge packing plant and you can't say fudge pack. He's like, you can't say gay. He's like, give me the chips, you gay-ass machine. It's like, you got to see Sylvia in HR. He does all this shit. He goes... He goes, uh, black people have been working on the N-word since 1908. He's like, to get rid of the, uh, the N word, we got to start calling gay people niggers. <laughs> and it just explodes, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then next up, Owen Benjamin. And I would start off with, like, I just adopted a dog or some shit. Sure I'd be in a five minute hole. Because yeah. I'm following literally funny. I m- just adopted a dog. Oh, dude. I, I would. <laughs> you it a deficit. Yeah, uh, such a deficit. You're walking yelling. Oh, I was <laughs> All right. adopted a dog. So I, I started, like, it, <laughs> it would be no laughs. I would get no laughs. No laughs. <laughs> Because everyone's still laughing about By the way, I know you have like
0: three fucking dogs
1: Yeah, 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 three And so uh, It got to the point where one day I was just sick of it Because I really felt like an exploited minority And so one day I go I'll Give it up to, to Roy I go, that joke is so fucking funny I go, I wish I could write that joke And deliver a, a joke that ends in We gotta start calling gay people Niggers and then I just watch the crowd, and there's a pause, and then they just explode. Oh, yeah? Because they realize that it's yeah. not hateful. I'm basically saying, no. I can't say that. Well, but it's also, he's also, you're not only your coworker, but one of
0: your good friends.
1: Yeah, and... and it's like. It- and it's not rooted in hate. I'm not saying like no. we're just fucking nigger. It's like yeah. it's a linguistics joke. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like that's a really funny joke that I can I literally could never say that because- it's one of the
0: things it's one of the things we talked about this at the very beginning of this podcast and we're saying to the audience you just don't know what you're saying. You don't know that what you like. Right. You, and you don't know who you are. And the truth is sometimes it's in stand-up comedy there we don't not that there's no race but like we we don't separate each other it's the weird thing when you hear a guy go oh he won the minority award or or like the the diversity award in at, at Aspen or right. Montreal and you're like diversity the fucking funniest guys are diverse yeah the, the, every one of my friends are diverse you're on a tour with a fucking middle Eastern dude an Arab a fucking Korean a black dude and you right what the fuck are we looking for diverse? I mean all our friends. And, and you're working with them late nights, and there's a, there's the fucking hundred
1: percent honesty when it comes to. Oh, that. totally! It's like one of the least racist professions alive because yeah. it's so not racist that it sounds racist almost. Because we literally, like, we would make fun of a cultural background, just like my height or my fucking toenails being too long. The best, the best. No, yeah, there's no my difference. Favorite,
0: my favorite, and this is this will describe everything, is, uh, and I, I'm gonna fuck this up. Uh, Patrice O'Neal comes into the uh, this is not, I was not there I just heard this and this is one of the fucking my favorite Nick DePaulo stories okay Patrice O'Neal walks into the, this is like right before he died Patrice O'Neal walks into the comedy store or the comedy cellar and sits down at a table with killers it's like DiPaolo Quinn right fucking uh, Norton Bobby Kelly everyone's there right and he's out he looks down and Jim Norton goes what's the matter and he goes man I just got back from the doctors I got I got nine of the ten things that kills brothers. And Nick DePolos goes, is handguns one of them? <laughs> <laughs> but like but like Patrice rolled in, like one of the things I loved about that is that Patrice rolled in like very sensitive, but that's the way a comic works, is that right. there's no sensitivity. There's none. No, it's- and
1: there's still compassion, but there's also jokes at the same time. We yeah. just did, Ramsey Moore passed away. and, yeah.
0: uh, and, and like that kind of freaked me out.
1: Well, yeah, he was 500 pounds, so it's like, I mean... Yeah, but nobody just passed away in his car, right? Yeah, his heart like, just fucking stopped. Ugh. And so we're doing a, a benefit show for him at the Improv, and this just sums up stand-ups. So we get there, and it's, you know, it's E and me and all these guys, and I'm in the back next to another comic, and people are, like, giving, like, heartfelt talks about um, Ramsey and shit, and the dude goes... Dude, I thought we we're doing material, and I go, bro. I thought we we're all wearing suits, and it's like, and we're even though it's like our friend is dead, we're still thinking like, yeah. I still got to kill, yeah. And so, you know, and then Tripoli went up there and just, yeah, it's on tape somewhere. Someone's got to see what Tripoli did. I mean, we all just went up and just. There's an honesty to comedy. Where in one statement, you like he was a beautiful person and like people are too isolated and we have to. And then the next sentence, it's like that girl's tits are making me crazy in the front row. You know, <laughs> it's just, they just exist. There's no like pretense. And Tripoli was just, he's just a brilliant guy with that shit. Tripoli's uh Tripoli's. I, I've said
0: this a million times. Tripoli's the guy that redefined the way friendship and comedy works. Uh, we did a, uh uh National Lampoons <clears throat> funny faces or funny people. Right. And I didn't know him. I didn't know anybody. I was like from New York and I came out to here. I was working on a TV show. I know a fucking soul. And Tripoli came up to me on the upper deck out like uh we were out in Santa Monica Pier. They used to have a stand up club out there. And Tripoli came out to me and he goes, Hey man, um I love your joke about touching cops' faces. That's a great joke. Are you doing that tonight? I was like, Yeah and he was like good this is my buddy. I don't know who it was, but he's like we just we're big f- we just think you're hilarious. And I was like, Huh and then I was like What's your name? And he's like I'm Sam, and I was like, oh great. So, I was like, now all of a sudden I got a friend, and I was like, oh that's crazy. Like that, I was like, I, I didn't know if LA was like that. And then all yeah. of a sudden, Tripoli went on stage. He went on right before me, and fucking destroyed. And I love this joke he I destroys. talk about it so much. He did a joke about playing basketball at the YMCA with girls, and he's like, that's what the brothers must feel like <laughs> when he's like, she goes up for a rebound, and I ring her belt. That's hilarious. Oh, fucking Tripoli's the best.
1: Yeah, there's like good camaraderie in in comedy. I think sometimes there's shitty. There's shitty beef, but, like, the alt guys can be a little shitty.
0: Uh, you know what? I'll tell you right now. I'm, I'm going to say this real honestly, and I say this out loud, hoping someone hears this. I've reached out to a few people I don't know that I that I don't know them, and I just know that they're funny, and they don't know me. They definitely don't know me. Right. And I reached out to them on um, Twitter, and they're uh, very skeptical to get back to me. And I feel like they th- – and, and I talked to Kurt Braunholer about it. I had Kurt on my podcast, and I said to him, I said, were you curious when I – direct message you and he's like yeah what did you want to talk about and i was like i just think you're funny yeah but a lot of the people in the in the in, in in the alt scene or maybe they're guys that do characters or maybe they're guys that aren't confident with
1: like who they are is like that's what it is they're not bad people they're like they're it's almost like rescue dogs where it's like taking offense when a dog's like recoils and growls at you but it's just yeah. because they think you're gonna hit them yeah I'm not, and i was like i was like one of the guys my manager just called
0: and he goes he goes hey uh what's up with this guy are you gonna have him on your podcast and i was like i don't know he won't get back to me <laughs> and he was like why not and i was like i don't know i i direct message him and emailed him and direct message him again and i go and he's just i he just won't get back to me and i'm sure it's i'm sure it is the that he's like well bert clearly wants to doesn't know me he's gonna make fun of me or he's gonna attack the alt scene i have no fucking beef with anybody no not at all like i like i'll say this out loud but dana gould i direct i emailed him and said like i'd love to have you on my podcast (laughs) and i think i honestly think dana kind of was like a little bit like like why and i was like because i'm a fucking massive fucking fan right and i ran into him later that day and i was like dude I'm a huge fan of everything you have fucking done. The Simpsons is my favorite show ever. Your stand-up comedy is fucking with the tits. Right. It's the best out there. You dissecting a joke is the greatest thing ever. And I and I may, I may be speaking for Dana, but I think Dana was like, you, like almost like you think I'm funny. Like and I'm like you're fucking amazing. Right. Like why would I would love to talk to you for an hour.
1: I know, and the irony is, is sometimes it's the old guys that will hijack you on it. Like I did Pete Holmes's uh, one. Yeah. And I like Pete, but. He was like, I openly root against you. I'm like, why? He's like, because you do, you do so much mainstream shit. You play the piano. I'm like, you're the one that, like, I'm like, wait, what? Wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, that's so confusing.
1: I know. He was being, like, very honest, I guess, because he was, I kind of respected the honesty, but he was just like, yeah, I, I root against you. I'm like, all right, man. <laughs> I'm like, cool. That kind of hurts. Yeah, I'm like, that's that's really aggressive. <laughs> And I get that sometimes from people like that. You know, really? I get people just looking at me like, "Fuck you, man!" And I'm like, "Okay, that's so bizarre. It is. It's really weird. Well, I think- He's a good guy, though. But it, I respect that he actually said that because I've felt that way sometimes for people are like, Pete- "Oh, you're gonna play Journey?". It's like, yeah, because I like to make people laugh and feel good. Yeah,
0: it was what fuck you said at the very beginning. Thing is like, is like, hey, I can do the, the like, look. People – I think people look at me I'll, – I'll say this about you about me. Like, I think people look at me and they go um, – I, I said it to Comic Central the other day. Eric Abrams and Gary. And I said, I'm a meat and potatoes comic. Yeah. Like, I like I, – like, I'm a meat and potatoes guy. Like, I like fucking – the David Tells and the Greg Giraldo's and the guys that did the clubs. But yeah. I, also, I also like, like I don't like everything Tim and Eric do, but I like some of his shit. And I like some of the shit that I see on, like, like uh, Scott Ackerman's shit. Like, And I like Between Two Ferns. Not all of it, like some of it, right. like, you get me, I get a laugh. I think everything Zach does is great. But, like, but I'm a meat and potatoes comic. I'm not like this esoteric guy. And I think sometimes, you know, we can ride the fence and go, like, I understand what I need to do to make this crowd laugh. I'm not going to let them come in here and just have a fucking miserable time. Totally. And, and I that, think some... that's what
1: alt is. Alt is like, if you're not laughing, it's your fault because you're not smart enough. And and they they sometimes... Because a lot of people forget Sandler was alt and he yeah. didn't change at all and then he became mainstream just by being popular. Dude, Janine so, Groffalo is alt. I think Janine Groffalo is one of the funniest comics in the fucking world. I'm obsessed with her.
0: Like, i the only person I cheat on my wife with. Janine like Garofalo?
1: Oh my God. I, I just don't like that she called out Sandler back in the day, though. I, I just what? have some weird loyalty with Sandler, so I always get Dude, fucking, Sandler's
0: my fucking guy. Yeah. I'm fucking. Uh, Adam Sandler. I love Sandler. He's a fucking man. We watched Happy Gilmore in the theaters. Me and my buddy Eddie took bowl hits in the car and held them in until we got into the fucking movie theater and exhaled there. That's hilarious. Like that's how we watch Happy Gilmore.
1: Yeah, it's just she wrote some article in like the 90s about SNL being like a boys club or something. And ever since I've, I don't know, I'm sure she's fine. But I'm, just I'm sure like... it's probably
0: actually accurate. Like I'm sure she actually, it probably was a boys club. Was it? <laughs> Certain it was. Yeah. It was Chris Farley, Chris Rock, Adam Sandler, and Janine Garofalo. <laughs> yeah. I'm certain that there was like a very very I guarantee you I guarantee you that Janine Garofalo is in a different level than those guys uh like 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 uh like, sensitivity-wise. Right. She's, she was probably then where everyone's becoming today. Right, right, know? right. I mean, I, I look, I'll always defend Janine to the mats, even though
1: she wouldn't shake my hand when I brought her on stage. Like, See, that's the shit. I see that in her in a couple other comics where I'm like, easy does it, fella. Yeah. Like, shake my hand. I'm 6'7". If the oil runs out, I'll take your fucking throat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes people have to look at each other like physical threats. Yeah. Sometimes I get that from people. Like, I remember, like, some alt... Fucker, like pointed my and my chest like he pointed at me and was like I don't appreciate what you said and he pointed my chest and it was over something benign like something really stupid and I'm like I didn't even say it because I try to just be as nice as possible but I want to be like buddy I could just rip that little finger off yeah you know it's like that's an aggressive thing what you're doing and I'm not even a violent person but it's like I think the culture I was raised in, it's like if you're going to step up to someone like a fight is happening, like you're not just going to be I've, able to say a f- like your Facebook update. No one gives a fuck about it. It's like I think that's one reason why I'm really nice to people is because I grew up where like if you're going to call someone out, you have to be able to beat them in a fight. Uh, I remember <laughs> I remember watching.
0: I remember watching. And by the way, I, I, w- I was raised like that, too. Totally. Like we fist fought when we were kids. We fist fought. Like you didn't just I remember I remember and I said this to someone today the other day and may, and they made me feel like I was a real stupid person. But I and but I remember being in college and someone just being like being bored as fuck and my buddy going, You wanna start a fight? And you're like, Fuck it, let's do oh, it. Oh, totally. And like totally. and you'd start a fight and it would just be chaos and a big bar brawl and you'd go home, and you're like, That was what the fucking life's about. Totally. Like it was this, and then there is this connection to fight club and that that male fucking aggro and, and and look i'm not applauding that behavior now i'm 42 i would never want to get in a fistfight fight. Yeah. but there is this thing that you that you feel like sometimes when you get into stand-up you go hey man you can't talk to me like that right like my buddy eddie had a, my buddy eddie came out here he was good friends with bobby kelly right um but, no, but but he was my friend growing up and eddie had this problem he would have a distinct problem with people talking to him disrespectfully and he was like hey man like I know they're your friends and I know they're above you in comic, but that guy doesn't speak to us like that. Right. And I was like, well, he's above us. And he's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, no, we're grown men and I'll knock him the fuck out. And I was like, Eddie, don't fucking knock anyone out. And he's like, no. And Eddie was a badass. Never lost a fucking fight. And I was like, Eddie, that's not how this works out here. And he's like, no, 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 no. That guy fucking just made fun of him in front of everybody. Fuck that guy. And I was like, okay, calm down. It's not a big deal. Right. Not a big deal. And, but but that that is that is part of the thing that that was law lo- I think that is lost on some people there's a kid I'm not gonna say the guy's name there's a kid who's a, v- a very alt comic who called out Eddie ift for uh, stealing a joke of Pat Oswald. And, and, and by the way Eddie Ift's not watching Pat Oswald
1: no and, and by the way there's like seven total premises so everyone has to chill out about that yeah
0: yeah <laughs> and he called him out in front of everyone and Eddie ift was like Actually, confused. And Eddie's like fucking CrossFit surfer. Right. Like Eddie's. He's chiseled. He's chiseled. And this kid is not. I'm going to tell you he is off camera, but he's not. And the kid's losing his mind. Losing his mind. You're a thief. You're a fucking thief. Right, right, right. And Eddie goes, I'm going to fucking knock this kid out. I'm gonna. I gotta beat this kid up. Yeah. I I remember going up to Eddie, going, Eddie, let this go, man. He's going out of his mind. Let this go. He's like, No, 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 no. You can't talk to me like that. You can't like. And Eddie's going back to like regular society, and he's like, I will fucking beat the shit out of this guy. And I was like, Eddie, don't do it. I was like, Literally, it's so not worth it. It just is. Let him do this. And then, and but it's so weird that Eddie had to accept this kid doing that to him
1: physically yeah because fighting isn't really an option anymore because yeah. if it, it just makes you look like such an asshole yeah. but like you know it's just a lack of repercussions and a lot of it i think has to do with the political environment where it's almost like my one of my favorite key and peel sketches is when the two pundits are arguing and then they realize they're on the same side yeah where it's like i will tell you sir and then they're like oh you're oh okay yeah. It's like people just think it's okay to just get in people's faces because nothing's going to happen. And we're talking earlier about Malcolm Gladwell. It's like that's one of my favorite parts of Outliers is, uh, you know, the different cultures where it's like uh, people from a herds, herdsman environment will fight more because, uh, like, basic respect. Like someone can steal your sheep versus, like, farming cultures. It's more based on getting along with your neighbors. You know, like the oh, Scottish really? people, like basically the whole South. But you know, if you like call someone an asshole, they're like they, they did studies on it. Well, they'll fucking punch you. And then you go to like San Francisco or someplace more based around communal and, and they just like take it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, comics, a lot of times, especially depending on what culture you're from, they're like rappers where it's like, you know, when you're on stage and if one person gets away with something, it can be a domino effect until you lose control of the room. You're like a dictator. Yeah. Where you have to like execute the person where it's like, no, you can't talk to me that way or else I fucking lose control of everything. Yeah. And um, I get that way sometimes when people, you know, they just forget it's a physical world. And we, we're we're fortunate to have our opinions matter because of how much food we have. You know, if we go 18 hours without food, no one gives a fuck about your Facebook update. You know, yeah, 30, 30 hours, 48 hours, people are starting to like think about robbing you. Two weeks without food, there's people with guns coming into your home. Yeah. And no one gives a shit how you feel about fucking Tom Brady's inflation balls. Yeah. Like, this is an illusion. Yeah. Because of all the fucking food we have. So, sometimes I think people forget that, that, like, you have to you know, treat people with respect. It's like Steve Byrne. Like no one would ever rob Steve Byrne if they were hungry because he's a good fucking dude. Yeah. But like that little hipster house cat fuck who put his finger in my chest because I said Asians love noodles, which they do. Uh Wait, yeah, it's pretty
0: see- much by the way, that's pretty much the reason we like noodles is cuz Asians like them, they brought them over here and that's why we have udon and fucking Bro,
1: a- ramen. Bro, Asian, Asians love noodles. I love I love noodles too by me the way. Me too. I, I I one thing that bothers me is when people think that uh, like a stereotype is racism. Racism is no Asians working for me. That's racism. Yeah. Saying Asians love noodles is like Canadians love hockey or fucking Italians love spaghetti. You could totally say
0: Canadians love hockey and no one would ever because bat they're enough. white. Yeah, you would never. No one would ever bat a w- an eye at Canadians love hockey. Right. Um. Ita- you could probably even go Italians and Irish because they've been in the country. They've. I, I guess they've gotten through the fucking system. I, I guess. Right. Like you could say Italian. Like you. The big thing when I was a kid was that Italian women didn't shave their armpits. Like, that's what we heard when we were kids. Yeah. And you couldn't say that out loud. Now you Europeans, can say don't, I mean, but a lot of them fucking don't, man. A lot, a lot of Europeans still don't. Saw sh- a chick, I saw a chick on uh, Periscope the other day that was from Europe, and I was like, she's hot as fuck. She raised her arm, she had hairy armpits. I was like, eh, disconnect.
1: Yeah, that's a little aggressive. But, like, but like it's, it, you know. Do you ever find that the older you get, the more you can only really whack to, like, the culture you relate to? <laughs> like, I don't like European shit. I there's, love it. Uh, there's something about them I'm like, they just why are they wearing fucking white i don't know they just
0: I, I i can't i i my thing right now is i can only jerk off to what uh i've experienced in life so like uh so like right now uh, this is gonna sound so fucking creepy i feel like we've gotten very honest on this podcast but oh
1: like, that's the beauty of it uh i am i just had a meltdown about old comics that most of them are probably just invisible in my head
0: Dude, i am f I'm i s I'm gonna say my horrible thing first right, and then cool. I'll tell you what I was thinking. So uh I can only masturbate right now to um uh videos of up close orgasms. Right. Because that's where I see her like when my wife has an orgasm, I'm down there. Right. So that's what I see, so that's real for me. Right. So that's the only thing I can masturbate to these days. So it's that's just cool. Yeah. So now now cut to the other thing. My but that you I was you were you were saying is I've had arguments. I've been having arguments with people in my head. This one dude who won't reply to me about doing my podcast. By the way, I reached out to a fucking professional MMA fighter on the plane today. He texts me back in two fucking minutes. Dude, that's because they understand that it's a physical
1: reality. He texts me back in two minutes. That's what I'm talking about. Fighters are like the nicest people on the planet. He texts me back in two
0: minutes with his phone number and says, call me. I'll be back June 1st. And I was like, that's that's respect. Bro, I met Victor
1: Ortiz on a plane. We're still friends. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the dude almost beat May- like should have beat Mayweather. He's like one of the toughest people alive, and he's like, Hey, man, you also like cookies? Yeah. Like, the nicest people. I t- and then text- you meet this little fucker in a-, a scarf who's doing fucking jokes that no one laughs at, and they think they can poke your chest. And I just find that mind-blowing. Uh, Rogan would never... Um, Rogan is
0: a good friend of mine. He's the man. He would never... He would never get physical with anyone, and he would never do anything to ever make you feel like he ever got physical ever. But if someone did something physical to him, he'd be like, "Hold on, you gotta understand what you're doing." I'm right. by the way, by the way, I'm not speaking for Joe. I've learned a very long time ago I'd never speak for anybody. Well, for those of you that but don't like,
1: know, Joe is an absolute assassin as far as there's being not tough.
0: One person listening to this podcast that doesn't know that. Oh, okay, there's every single person on this podcast. The listening is a fucking fan. Of I shows. didn't, I
1: didn't, I didn't used to know that until Brian Callen showed me an Instagram video of Rogan just kicking and he was like look at this shit and dude. i'm like jesus yeah and he was like just look at him kick and i was like that's fucking mind-blowing i want to have Callen on my podcast Callen, i love Callen. i had brendan
0: shop on my podcast they're, i love their fucking shit D- dude I, I like what they're doing i think they're taking it they're t- i think they're taking podcasting to the next level right all i know is that uh, brendan is like the fucking highest podcast i have rated on my in the last month or two months like and i literally was like i was like i'm a fan of his because i'd seen some stuff in his yeah and i was like oh, i'd love to talk to him just like this you know right and his numbers were through the fucking roof and i was like i kept texting him like dude what what's going on and he's like well you know my podcast is pretty big like fighter and the kid right it's like, exploding oh dude they're fucking blowing up but i'd love to have brian on this but like the thing is there are certain guys that you don't do that to you also yeah i'm being dead serious you don't do that to ari like, Ari's physical enough where if you touch someone, they start going like, hey, man, you're not a, like, you know, brothers, black podcast, black, black comics don't fuck around with that shit either. No, not my at all. My favorite, my favorite, Mike Epps story, he gets off stage and, and some comic is trying to hype himself up to, to like, to, like, get ready to go on stages at the Boston Comedy Club. Mike Epps gets off stage and the guy, and he comes back to that corner, There's, I mean, if you only know if you did the club, but there's a, to the right, there was a corner and the comics like yeah and he's just like and he's like getting ready to go on stage it's all black crowd and he like kind of grabs mike like we're like you know like hot right and mike just didn't know him and just knocked him out
1: i don't know else is like they're russians russians fucking bring heat man fuck yes. dude you, you you like fuck yeah bro russians i mean a russian uh broke <laughs> burns uh jaw the taxi driver second season he was. Uh, Wait, what was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Bro, every Russian I know, it's like cold environments. When you're from a cold environment, like I'm from near Canada, a small town, three nuclear power plants, really aggressive people. Yeah. Like uh, Swartzen, when he, when he came home with me once, we were doing Syracuse, and he came, he's like, people here are like really fucking aggressive. Because <laughs> like when we go to Minneapolis, everyone's like, hey, Nick, we're so happy for you. We go to Swego and people like, now they're cooler, but back then they're like, hey, there's Owen. Hey, fuck you, man. How have you been, man? Like, just this aggressive tone. Yeah. And then you go to Russia, and it's even colder. Oh, yeah. So they're like, V ate your dog. (laughs) And you're like, what the fuck? You ate my dog? I totally forgot about Steve getting in a fight with a cab driver. Yeah, no, literally, that's the thing. They're, They're, like, so quick to violence, Russians. Yeah, like it well, just it, it was there,
0: a, there are there's a certain group of people that will, will just punch first because that's the way they were raised.
1: Exactly, oh, it's a hundred. It's all culture. I'm not saying a hundred percent culture. They're,
0: they're like you just go online and there's people that will just punch first, and that's how they that's that's how they do it.
1: Yeah, it's how you raise. It's how it's it, it's because if you don't, it's probably
0: socioeconomic. A hundred percent. It's probably socioeconomic, socioeconomic, and like and like that's probably my dad always says. My dad's always a good uh, like like litmus for that and he's always like i remember saying one time something stupid my dad's like buddy 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 you're looking at this wrong he's like it's it's poor people it, that's what you're talking about and yeah I was like
1: i was like oh yeah i guess that you're right like that's like uh um the the cat calling video and and, yeah. and when everyone's like it's racist you know they edit out the white people. i'm like if you don't think black people in cities cat call more than white people you're fucking out of your mind i'm like but it's not because they're black it's because they're just shooting the moon yeah, you know, because I I know white people to do the same thing, but it's that it's, was exactly
0: what I was talking to my dad about. Right? And it's I was like they're like, just I was giving like, dad, a I go, shot. Dad, you never lived in New York. I go, you don't know. Brothers always catcall. and he goes, that's fucking racist. It's not black guys. It's socioeconomic. Exactly. And he goes, it's guys. So he goes a lot of guys? It's a lot of guys who probably don't have a lot of financial opportunities, and they're looking to get something hot. Exactly. I mean, and, and I was like, I was like, oh shit, you're right. And I, and I never. And then the next time I was in New York, I was like. I was like walking around with my shirt off, and no, but but the <laughs> next time I was in New York, I was like, I was like paying attention to it. I don't think I ever realized how much d- people catcall. Like, oh yeah, especially like aggressive. military
1: from uh, from more uh, poor things. Like you'll see yeah. white people in and they catcall just like brothers in the fucking city. Yeah, and it's it's I feel bad for women. I mean it's it's crazy how aggressive people can get. Well, it's not. I, I feel bad for women. It's not even just brothers. It's like every It's like every
0: dude. Like I always say, I always feel bad going, it's just brothers. Although well, it's brothers are brothers. good at it. It's just, brothers are good at it. They
1: are. Brothers, actually, it can work for them.
0: The line I heard <laughs> that fucking changed the way I looked at is picking it? up chicks.
1: Can a I player I get some conversation?
0: Oh, that's and amazing. I, I was like, fucking greatest line ever.
1: I heard some podcast. It was like an NPR podcast about like a dude who just has been doing that for like 30 years. And he does get like tons of ass and he's. He sounds like he barely has teeth. He's like full-blown homeless, and he still yeah. gets like tons of ass. Oh, my buddy because he's really sen- He's like sensitive about it. He's not like, yo, bitch. It's like, it's like smooth. Like- yeah. And uh, white people would do the same thing. It's just poor white people live in trailer parks. And I don't think people understand that no one's walking by a trailer. They're like miles apart. Yeah. <laughs> like I think- you're not going from Bank of America to the museum and past the fucking trailer park. It's the different demographics, as you're right. A lot of the poor white people are in Appalachia. Right, and you're never walking past – it's not like a – it's not a high foot – it's not a high fucking foot traffic area. And like, you know, I was trying to write a bit about this, but again, I can't because I'm white, so I'll, I'm sure I'll have to give it to one of my black friends. But about how after slavery, the last thing black people want to see is farm equipment, so they all fucking went to the cities. You know, like why there's no poor – like poor black people – You definitely got
0: to give this to a black friend. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and it'll work for any black comic. Would yeah. never work for me. But – you never see poor black people in the country. You always see them in cities, and and you
0: see, well, you see them. You, uh, you do you, like my wife's uh, my wife's hometown is is where's this uh, Bowden, Georgia.
1: Okay, it's probably half and half. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. So I I, I forget about the south. I'm thinking <laughs> about the north.
0: Yeah, no, like like well, the thing that you experienced is that in the north there are this there is this weird group of white people that are scary as fuck so scary and and like i remember witnessing that firsthand i rolled in and i grew up in the south and i was comfortable with everyone and i roll and i remember driving to a gig in the
1: north Uh, it was like a college and i got run off the road by a fucking truck oh dude northern hillbillies put the south to shame because they hate everybody terrifying
0: and i pulled into the gas station and i was upset and i said something and a bunch of people got in my face and i was like oh my god I'm like, Dude,
1: it's like north of the wall they're like white
0: walkers they're <laughs> they're white walkers they're fucking white walkers it was terrifying and i was like i was like holy shit man i go i don't know these people i'm in a different part of the country it was fucking right. fascinating and then i fucking went into the college and i remember shitting on the shitting on the town that the college was in because i was on and everyone was like yeah we know we get it we live here
1: yeah it's garbage where did you go wait, where did you grow up in oswego uh, a little bit north of syracuse and lake ontario like we really? legitimately, it's ten thousand people with three fucking nuclear power plants, and like a nine month winter. It's just crazy. Really? Yeah, but good did people. Like Ontario freeze over. It never freezes over. We got a lot of lake effects. Now it would get. It's just really cold, but really? really good people. I'm not shitting on the people, but yeah, it's just a hopeless environment. You know, there's just no hope. Yeah, like everyone's just like all you do is just drink and fight. Really, totally. It's so funny. You got such a country club look to you. Not at all,
0: really zero, <laughs> yeah, like it was like where you grew up was just fist fights and fucking,
1: yeah, I mean, it's just very cold, and uh you know, for example, this is how little people want to live there. my parents' house is like you know, it's probably the size of your house, and it's worth about sixty grand, <laughs> really, yeah, like you could buy a house there, it's almost like a Detroit like Flint where it's yeah. like you can get homes for like sixty thousand you know, you can get a starter home for like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars. Do you feel like people? Do you feel like people n- never knew who you were in this business? What do you mean? Like, I don't know. I I did not know that about you. I, I well, say- I didn't have. Here is the thing, though. I didn't have like. A, I wasn't impressed. That's why I like say that hope is so important because my parents did give me that yeah. because they're educated. So although we didn't have money, they were like, "Life is great. Like you can do what you want." That's what I think a lot of poor people face in this country as a problem is they're raised to hit first and that they're they're like, they suck at everything. I think yeah. people believe what they're told. You know, it's like, I'm not even that. I'm like way smarter than I should have been, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'm born with like a fast processor necessarily, but my parents were always like, you're special because you're you. Like, you're smart. You're good. It's the number one thing they say that gets kids out of hopeless situations totally. is reading books. Reading books and, so, and support. Like, I, live. I read a book a week now because of my habits. Like my, it's literally my parents. And then because, I mean, it's so easy to be like, you know, it's America. Just pull yourself out of the poverty, you know. But it's like a lot of people who feel that way had hope. And hope is such like a, a weird, intangible thing. But I'll see a lot of people like, you know, if you're in Baltimore or some of these like poor areas. And it's not the only factor is that they're raised being told that they're bad. And it's almost like if you've ever been in a relationship with a girl that's always suspicious of you, yeah. where it's like, "Are you cheating?" And you're like, "No." It's like you're cheating. It's like you want a fucking an animal. I'll show you an animal, and then you start actually cheating. <laughs> that's what happens with Black America, where it's like if you get treated like a criminal, I would do that. Yeah. If cops pulled me over all the time because of my skin color, I would start fucking being a criminal, because I would I would feel like if you pay the price, you should be able to get what you're paying for. It's like. If you're paying a lease every month for a car, you should be able to drive the car. There's a great, there's a great um, interview on NPR
0: on This American Life this week with Kamal Bell, and he talks about. It's really fascinating. He talks about going up to meet with his wife and her like three white friends at a restaurant in uh, San Francisco, and he had just bought a book. You know, I mean, I'm not Kamal is a is a big black dude, right? With, with a big afro, right. and a beard. And uh, he went up to go sit down, and the fucking waiters shoot him off. And they're like, get out, get out. Jesus. And he was like, what? And they're like, leave, leave. They don't want to buy anything. That's horrifying. And it's fascinating. It's a fascinating interview because he, what he does is he takes it to this town hall meeting. And I, You know, the one thing I got to say about Kamau is that he, he always has... An open conversation about something, but he always shows me a different side of it that I never thought to see. Hundred like percent. I, and I love that about. And that's. And by the way, that's because I'm a comic and he's a comic. Is that that's the way his brain works? That's why comics should talk about that shit. Yeah. Sometimes you get these philosophers or these these uh, professors, and you're like, like you know what? I understand theory, but like, Kamal just takes it down to
1: what it is because that's how we make a living. Is you have to make it relevant and it has to be real. Yeah. Like our mortgages depend on like our accuracy of human nature so we have no interest in and in, in sugarcoating or bullshitting even yeah. ourselves yeah and it's it's a fascinating and then and the best part is that you know he gives
0: half of this fucking whole interview over to this high school student that has a very insightful view on race in america which i was like i was like motherfucker and then they talked to her dad and like it was like really great i listened yeah. to her plane. I, I fucking i always welcome the, the race conversation me too i, I never i never want to walk straight away from it so you know like our best friends None of our, our best friends are nothing like me and my wife. My wife and I are like whatever the fucking wasp. I, I don't even know if wasp is the right thing. White Anglo Saxon person? Protestant. Well, oh, we're not Protestants. She's Baptist. I'm Catholic. But like, our best friends are uh, Chinese, Vietnamese, uh, Jewish, and then red, one other redneck. Right. And two other rednecks. And then, so like, I, I always welcome the conversation because I think it should be, I think we're cutting ourselves in the, In the legs,
1: if we don't have it, you know. Well, I I think so much of it is is linguistics problems. I wanted to do a show called "Who Likes Ice Cream," where you just sit down two people that you would think have nothing in common, and you realize that ninety-nine percent of your thoughts and feelings you relate to other people about, and we just focus on the dumb little things that don't matter. That's
0: a really brilliant thought because. Like, ultimately, everyone likes ice cream. Yeah, every, everybody just likes ice literally cream. Literally sit and just have ice cream with people and go, like, if you just sat and talked to, like, I, I, I had this long time ago, I sat with these two dads who were, one was uh, Mexican, one was black, and they both had their kids, and their kids were the same age as Georgia, and we were all looking at the walrus in the zoo. And, like, the, the Mexican dad had, like, tattoos on his throat. Right. And the black dude was just, just you know, like a younger black dude. But we're all three dudes sharing the same moment in life. Yeah. Where we're showing our kids the walrus. And there was no race. There was nothing in that. It was just three dudes having their kids, and we were just dads. And it was,
1: like, so beautiful that you yeah. go, like, that, that, this is what life's about. Because the thing that humans will never get away from is categorizing and quick judgments because that's how we survived for millions of years where it's, like, you just look and you say, oh, that's a chair. It's not a rhinoceros because yeah. of, like, it has four legs. You have to think immediately, like, oh, that's a roof. That's a ceiling fan. And the problem with racism is it's just so inaccurate. Yeah. It's like you have more genetically in common with someone of your blood type than someone of your race. That's a fact. Like race doesn't mean anything.
0: That's genius. That's genius. By the way, I just well, as soon as you said that, I went, I went think about someone who's genuinely racist, right? And how much they love their dog. They have more in common with a black dude than they have oh, in common with their oh, dog. Yeah, and yeah, let alone they're like, there you are, buddy. <laughs> there, there's this my guy. Dog would bite them in a heartbeat. Right. They're like, ah, this is my. That's my
1: guy. <laughs> That's my guy that can't speak English. Yeah,
0: I can't speak English. Can't speak a word. I pay for it and does nothing. He's lazy as fuck. Right.
1: Does nothing. Yeah, just- All
0: the shit you hold up a racist about another race, a-
1: that dog is the exact application of that. Like, you'll never have to pick up a human's, like, shit in a bag. And then say, good boy. And then you're holding their shit.
0: Do you realize how racist white people would be if you had to pick up black people's shit? Like, <laughs> you just have to level. walk around? Yeah. You're like, like, but they do it with their dogs and they don't give a fuck.
1: No, they don't even think They're about like, it. Oh, that's so fucking funny. And dude, the craziest thing about race now is how it's like everyone, like my girl's Mexican and like Steve's Korean, and, you know, and white. It's like... You can't, it's everyone's fucking each other to the point where, yeah. I was going to do a song called Brown Babies about how everyone's got to just fuck so much until there's no more race. Yeah. But it's still, I can't do it because I'm white. Because it, it sounds a little.
0: There's, there's a lot of, there is, it's, and it's, by the way, and this, I'm going to say this, and I don't know if I'm accurate in saying this, but it's not black people or Mexicans that'll be bothered by it.
1: Oh no! Not at all. It's, just, it's, it's white, just people. white people. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it's the biggest, and they don't even. This is this is why it's kind of like understanding alt comics. I'm trying to understand these like these these ooh the crowd members that go ooh, and it's they're trying to defend people that they think need defending, and yeah. they don't need defending because the way yeah. they need defending in different ways, not this way. This is. You know, if you don't allow someone to make fun of a group, that's a form of ostracizing. That's saying that they can't play with us. Yeah. It's like, oh, you can't say the word black or Asian on stage. They're not allowed in yeah. our game, in our fun game. It's like, no. You know, they, people need help because they need it's – all, it's all Gladwell shit, man. It's all like – as a child, you have to be told that you are good and you can do what you want or else you'll just keep going in, in circles.
0: Yeah, I, I never I'm not I'm never a fan of the person who tries to stand up for somebody, right? The, like, have,
1: have you ever can, stood up for someone and, and made things worse? I've when never you're not, hammered. I've never, I've never done it in my life. I've never been the. Like, I did once. i never really. Well, I was like some some dude. I was hammered, and some dude was like yelling at a girl that, and I didn't know either one of them. And the dude was like, "You fucking bitch!" And I just felt all gallant, and I was like, "Don't talk to that bitch like that." And I didn't realize that I said the word bitch. I was just kind of repeating what he said. And they both looked at me super confused. Like, the girl was like, thanks? Because I was like, don't talk to that bitch like that. And I I didn't realize that I was, like, referring to her as a bitch. But I was just hammered. I didn't realize that it wasn't a pronoun.
0: Yeah. It, uh, I, uh, I've never, I've never, I'm a weird kind of guy in that. Is that, like, this sounds fucking horrible. But if a guy and a girl get in a fight, at one time in college, I like tried to like jump in and go, okay, right. hey, and the and the girl got upset with me. Oh, totally! I, I lived with two lesbians for a while, and I remember them getting in a fist fight, and I was like, <laughs> and I tried to break it up, and they started beating me up, and I was like, "Wait, this isn't. I didn't want you guys to beat each other up. Now right. you're beating me up. They ripped my necklace off." The lesbians <laughs> can get intense. Uh, well, it's so interesting. I find I find this interesting. Do you hear about the WNBA stars? No. So the biggest NBA WNBA player and, and her girlfriend are both NBA stars. Right. They got into a fight after their wedding, I guess. They got beat each other up. Right. But one got beat up more than the other one. But they took them both to jail and then suspended them both. And I was like, I, I got really confused. Not confused, because I get it. I get that America goes, well, they both need to be punished. But domestic abuse, I, I mean, I've been in and lesbian i live with lesbians there's an aggressor just like any domestic case, exactly and then there's a non-aggressor there's someone that's getting beaten up and that's exactly what happened and i just was so odd that i found that they they suspended them both because i went that's that's not
1: like no it's domestic abuse yeah you're talking about domestic abuse you don't look at there's so many things now it's like what if they're the same gender the same size and it's an even fight like who gets arrested it's That's like, what,
0: that's what happened. And they they arrested them both. I think they arrested them both.
1: The only time I've ever been charged on stage has been from lesbians. It's happened twice. Are you serious? The only time anyone's ever like got up to like fight me has been lesbians. Because really? the like the the most angry I've ever seen is when like a lipstick lesbian is laughing a ton and the Butch one yeah. who like you know, like a lot of times in a lesbian relationship, one is pretty bi like yeah. they'll fuck dudes or fall in love with women and fuck women and one of them is like not really that into you know sometimes you'll see the equal but that happens a lot where you, you have the one that's like very male and protective and the well, other i one, think in,
0: in every relationship and even in like my wife and my relationship my wife is definitely the fucking alpha right and i'm the submissive yeah like yeah yeah 100 percent.
1: every I think all men are a lot more submissive than they want to Oh, I, 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 I mean, pretend to be all this. I, I mean, talk on
0: stage, I started changing my voice on stage because I was like, I was like, honestly, I'm sitting here talking about like me sliding my dick in her mouth while she's sleeping. That doesn't, that never happens. Like, well, it's a make believe <laughs> premise. Like, like, well, I should be honest about what my relationship is. And then I, t- I mentioned that she saw me watching porn. She watched it. She goes, this is so crazy that that's what you're into, because that's not how you behave. She's like, you don't grab me by the ponytail and just gag me out like. Arg, arg, arg.
1: And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I don't. No, we're like scared of our kids. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm hands up, stop and frisk like <laughs> as I was like, I, I'm not that guy. But so uh, but it's interesting. I, I think all relationships there is, you know, there's very few relationships where and maybe I don't know. I don't, what am I saying? I've seen a
1: couple gay dudes where it's pretty even, where it's almost like they looked at each other and they're like, we can double our wardrobe. We're the same guy. Me and Tom Segura, right? Yeah. Like, have you ever met two, like a married gay couple, and they're like, "There's no alpha. They're just very similar." Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think right now. I don't. I'd, I'd have to go. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Sometimes there's like obvious top bottom. I'm trying to situations, think of all the gay but... guys
0: I know right now. My buddy, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know my buddy Patrick is married to a dude. They're fucking. They're like. Level playing field, like just yeah. There's just totally. two dudes that fuck that fuck and have a kid. They just touch dicks straight up, yeah, and they just dock each other, yeah, just it. eye to eye. Like, and by no. the way, Patrick, I know you're listening to this. I apologize, but like, but like, yeah, like, yeah, like, I think if I was gay, I'd probably be in like a. I don't know. Maybe I'd form the submissive role. I'd be like, I don't know. I like being taken care of. I like someone doing my laundry.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what I'd do because I have both in me. I uh, like I like providing for my girl, but at the same time, I. She just got a promotion I was, like, really happy for, her, and then I felt a little taken care of.
0: <laughs> I'm sure that's...
1: By the way, I'm sure that's exactly
0: how everyone probably... Like, that's one thing that I learned about living with two lesbians, is that right. they fall in love just like we do. Totally. So, like, I'm sure that they probably feel like that, too, like, just back and forth.
1: Like, you know, someone's... Do you think gay people have it easier or harder? Harder. Well, I mean, culturally, obviously, because of, like, yeah. weird old hate bullshit, but, like, what, just as forget for, you know as, what? All right. Like sometimes I feel sheltered living in LA, but okay, yeah. in LA. Yeah. Like in a society where you don't have a bunch of white walkers chasing you down with a truck. Yeah. Like, do you think they have <laughs> white it walkers? Yeah, like that's why we live here, because it's like yeah. people are it's it's a lot more of a level playing field yeah. here, you know? Um do you think they have it easier or harder than us as far as getting along in monogamous relationships? Ooh. Um I don't know. I can't, I couldn't answer
0: that. I'll, I'll tell you why because I've been saying a joke on stage but I kind of mean it. I think that you know, you can't choose what you are, gay or straight. You right. can't choose it.
1: Totally. So, but I believe If I could, I would be full-blown gay. Me too. Like crazy. Like I'd be a cock hound. Not even
0: close. I would be fucking guzzling cock. Bro,
1: I'd be a 24-hour fitness right now sucking dicks. <laughs> Like as many as could, I could.
0: I would definitely be gay. I, I, I just, I saw this. I, was, I said, it call again. me
1: sauna Owen. I would never leave the sauna, <laughs> only to go to the steam room to get HJs.
0: <laughs> I would. I would definitely be gay. I like. Oh, I don't for know. sure. Why the fuck would I hang out with chicks?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, my best friend at this point is now a girl because I'm with her all the time. Yeah, because I'm I mean, with her all the time. And don't get me wrong. She's literally the coolest ever. And yeah. sometimes I still am like, but, like, we can't, like, f- like fight. You know, sometimes, <laughs> like, w- when you have male friends, you can, like, say some pretty insane shit. Dude. And it's fine. I have to, like, watch what I say to her because I know that it's, like abusive
0: (laughs) (laughs) i uh ryan valerius and i in fifth grade if if things were not going right we would just start punching each other right and and it was like a really great release because you get done beating each other up you'd be like all right man i'm sorry yeah totally but like i'm not saying that that's the way i want my relationship to go but i will definitely say that like there are times i get in a fight with leanne and i and she gets me so confused that I go, if you were a dude, I'd know what we're talking about. Right. If I don't
1: know what we're talking about right now because you're, you're lapping me. You're literally lapping me. Oh, they just they just win so fucking intensely. The only way to win is to disengage. And yeah. That's the hardest thing ever for dude, me. It took hear, me like years to learn how to do that. If you hear guy theories
0: on women, like it, they'll make you crazy. Like I had a dad at school, we were talking about getting laid, and he was like, no, oh, you know what you got to do. Don't physically touch them at all for a month, don't touch them. Right. Don't even touch them. Like, pretend they're, they're hot lava. Don't touch them. They'll start coming your way. And I was like, do you realize how fucking crazy that sounds? Yeah. Don't physically touch that. They do that to fucking orphans in Russia. Yeah, yeah And they yeah. go crazy. Like, they
1: become Jason Bourne.
0: Yeah. Like, <laughs> and he was like, well, I'm telling you, it works for me. And you're like,
1: dude. Dude, I a- actually have a bit about that, about how men need orders and women find orders insulting. Where a where, dude, if a girl's like, it's really cold in here. And a guy's like, I know. And then she'll get a blanket and be like, why don't you love me shit? Yeah. And it's like I, you can't you got to tell me to get you a blanket or else I don't know. That's, uh, you know, yeah. did I do good shit. And the opposite it's like they want to love you and they want to fuck you unless you tell them to. Then they don't out of and they'll teach you a lesson. And the best way to get them to, like, do something nice is don't. Like, come home and be like, I had a really hard day, and then look out a window, and then they'll notice you and be like, he works so hard. And then she'll, like, bring <laughs> me hot cocoa. But if you're, like, I had a hard day, make me hot cocoa. She's like, you fucking make me hot cocoa. And then she'll burn your dick with the hot cocoa. <laughs> I'm like, like, you know, because yeah. there is some reality to it where I think men fucked up for just so long with, with as far as, like, sexism and female oppression that oh. we're just digging out of a hole at this point where... Because I used to be like, why are women so touchy about shit like that? And then I, and then just read any history book, and you're like, oh, that's why. Oh, my wife's
0: here. Let's talk stop it.
1: What's up? How are you?
0: This is Leanne. Hi. Leanne, hop on in. Jump in, in this conversation. We're talking about... Well,
1: it's, a, it's a good one. We're talking about sexism. Yeah. And men digging way out of a hole. About how men fucked up for so many thousands of years that now it's like... I don't know. We're on some kind of good run with it, but... Hey, uh, you want to grab Pop Pot?
0: What time? What time is You too. What time is it now?
1: Hey, big. Hey, girl. Are you a good girl? Yes.
0: How much time do we have left? Okay. I got to pick up my kids at school. Awesome. Um, so Pot, come on. Go get her. That's not happening. So we're on our ninth surgery.
1: What's uh What's wrong with her? With
0: uh, just got a purebred. It was a mi- mistake. Right. I mean, it was a, not a mistake. We love her, but right. she's a purebred, and so, all right, pot. Watch out, baby girl.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying about uh, racial mixing. Because uh, the more you mix it up, the more genetically. Oh, that's why Brazilians <laughs> yeah, yeah. are so legit. <laughs> I'm I'm straight up like Brazilians are like avatars because they're like black <laughs> Spanish white and a little Asian like avatars. I will say this: I was they're invisible. immune to AIDS. I was... <laughs> Brazilians like will get AIDS and they don't die. Uh, I was. I was into, oh, Please tell me you say that on stage. No, uh, never. Uh,
0: Braz... <laughs> no, never. I would. I will now. Uh, Brazilians are f- are easily. The fucking baddest motherfuckers on the yeah, planet. Yeah, it's because they're so genetically diverse. It's, they really are genetically diverse. It is, it is a culture. And by the way, I don't know of really, but like, it's a culture based on like fucking eight different probably, I'm, I'm guessing Spanish, Spanish Portuguese. Po-
1: Portuguese, black, uh, and then there's some Asian shit going on there. Really? And then you have indigenous, so you got the rainforest people. But I'm just saying from being there, Brazilian dudes are fucking yoked. All of them, dude, and they all have hammers, <laughs> bro. You you've never seen Mike goes to Brazil or what's that fucking shit called? That no. porn thing? It's like Mike in Brazil. No, what's that? It was part of the Reality Kings package. No, uh, no Mike. It's just, it's just a dude in Brazil banging. They're fucking hammers. It was like 2007. It was the you know when I was really hunting porn. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean Brazilian, and they're super fast.
0: The fucking Brazil, the best fighters in the entire world. Brazilian jiu jitsu has dominated MMA
1: because it's it's just like dogs. Like your dogs are purebred, so there's like hip problems. It's the yeah. same with people. That's why racism. You got the more you interbreed, the more it's like even with, between European nations.
0: We're, we're sounding like Jimmy the Greek now. <laughs> really? No, do you remember Jimmy the Greek? Oh yeah, saw so that thirty for thirty. What? Um, he was. it was. It, it, they, I. I heard a. M, I heard a, NPR that said Jimmy the Greek was actually right. Like about what NPR? About uh, what his theories were? Uh, maybe no Radio Lab. Radio Lab. I don't know. I what don't even know the what the
1: fuck it was. What, is it about black athletes or something? I don't know.
0: I don't even want to get into it. It's Something we all get fired for. No, so, um, we're, we're good. Um, but yeah, it's. I'll tell you right now, man. In Brazil, I was hanging out with dudes that did nothing but ride motorcycles as taxi drivers, and they were fucking yoked. And their fucking shoulders were huge, and yeah. they were just like. And I was like, "Do you guys know jiu jitsu?" And they're like, "Of course." They go down to the beach and they could sprint in the sand. Quack, qu- like i mean they were fucking m- mon- like i like i just looked at them and i was like physically this guy doesn't look like he works out but he's fucking in great shape
1: yeah no it's, i think it, they legit Bra- brazilians are they have their shit together
0: white's the last one we're gonna be like in a museum one day
1: <sighs> yeah we're only good in northern climates then we crush because it's all because if your skin's too dark and there's no sun you don't get any vitamin d and you get rickets <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> it's the same with noses. Like, wider noses are good when it's warm and humid because it lets in, like, a ton of air. So that's one reason why you, you can crush a run like black dudes. <laughs> but northern noses have— Are you serious? This is a fact. Wait, are you serious? No, I swear to God. I, I okay. minored in evolution in college, like one of the human evolution. Northern, like, if you go to, like, the um, Norwegians and people like that, like, their noses are so tight because air is so dry and cold that you have to warm it. And uh, add moisture to it before it enters your lungs. So the more surface area, that's why it's smaller noses. Are you fucking serious right now? It's a hundred percent fact, and that's why um, regions of Africa where it's very humid, same with uh, South America, same with Asia where it's very humid and hot uh, air. You you want your nostrils as wide as possible to get like a, an insane amount of oxygen. Really? So our noses, my nose is a little wideish because uh, I got some. Uh, I'm a quarter Czech Jew, so I think that's probably a little Middle Eastern vibe, but I have, you know, it's not super, like, narrow, but you'll, like, have breathing problems if your nose is too narrow, but if you're up north, it's fucking clutch, because, like, all the air sucks. I don't think I've ever... Check this out. So, with, like, Eskimos, up. the reason they're still dark-skinned is because they eat so much uh, liver, and that's high in vitamin D, so they never had to get white. Are you being serious right 100%. Now? If you don't get enough vitamin D, you die, right? So. Yeah. If you have black skin and you live in the Arctic Circle and you, there's no you know, milk that's fortified, you fucking die. So that's why people up there are so white, because it lets in the small amount of sun that you can get. And the farther south you go, the more you want to be black, because then you don't get skin cancer. So Eskimos could maintain their darker complexion because their diet is so high in vitamin D that they never die to rickets. And darker skin is better because you get less uh, skin cancer. Really? Yeah, like you know, uh, black people have a much lower chance of getting skin cancer. Same with if you also look at uh, racially specific diseases like um, uh, sickle cell anemia is only in black people, and that's yeah. because. If heter- uh, homogeneous means you get alleles from both parents, so you're, you full blown have uh, sickle cell and you're yep. fucked. But if you're heterogeneous, you don't have sickle cell, but you're immune to malaria. So, what? Yeah, malaria kills so many people in Africa. Yeah, malaria
0: is a fucking killer.
1: Half a million a year. So, it was a benefit to have sickle cell traits because you're immune to malaria. It's the same with Sachs disease with Jews, because if you're heterogeneous for it, you don't get tuberculosis, so they would survive ghettos. Are you serious? 100%. How there's, do you learn all this? I, I read a fucking ton. Holy shit. Yeah, there's so many human attributes that come from—you know, they stay between ten and 20,000 years in an environment. Sometimes with disease, a lot faster, because, like, tuberculosis can just wipe out people. And, uh, okay, like moths, for example— Uh, There was white moths that would sit on white trees and they were they wouldn't get eaten by fucking birds. And then after the Industrial Revolution, the trees turned black for like 20, 30 years and really quickly they they spawned so fast that the moths became black because like one in a hundred would be black and they wouldn't be eaten by the birds. So just because of soot the fucking moss became black in, like, a few decades. And, like, humans obviously take so much longer because we have 20, 30 years to reproduce, yeah. but uh, it's a very similar thing.
0: That's fucking fascinating. I didn't know about sickle cell anemia and... Uh, and uh, I said and tons of that shit, yeah. Because we had to get the, uh, the malaria shots and all those shots, and I, I was over there going, so if we had to get these shots, how come all these people aren't dead?
1: Right. A lot of them are immune to it. Really? Yeah. Why, don't, why isn't this stuff talked about more? I don't know. I think a lot of people, I don't know. I, I maybe they're not interested. I've always just been fascinated by why we look the way we look or do what we do. You know, it's I do a Glad- bit about it's,
0: a, it's that Gladwell shit. Is that Malcolm Gladwell uh, does writes as an economist,
1: and it's, it's. A- I love him. So yeah, because it's a lot of people don't understand the difference between causality and correlation. Where it's like. You know, my girlfriend recently was like, "Oh, a girl who wears lipstick gets a lot more likes on Facebook than a girl who doesn't wear lipstick." And people use uh, cherry pick this type of shit all the time. That very well might be true, but it could be another factor, and that that factor they're more likely to wear lipstick. Very similar to catcalling, where it's yeah. like, "Oh, black people catcall more." It's like, no. Poor people can't call more, and you're in a city, and there's more poor black people than poor white people. Yeah. So a lot of times people are a few steps away from, like, the actual cause of things. Yeah. And uh, I think that, you know, I think that also happens with uh, police tension, where a lot of poor black people living in cities, it's because they're poor. And it's like there's not – because that's where a lot of the money is. That's yeah. where the banks are, the museums, the fucking billionaires. They're all in these cities. And so when the poor people, the desperate people that want something or need food or some shit are that close to the fire, they're that close to Bank of America, there's high tension. And then cops are basically security guards for the federal government. It's like poor people, poor white people who fucking blow up their trailer park no one cares about because they're not next to Bank of America. Like yeah. cops aren't patrolling meth labs because they're not next to anything. Yeah. They're next to fucking fields. So it's so easy to make. Granted, there is a fuckload of racism in this country, so I'm not putting that down whatsoever because it is true. But there's also a lot of economic factors that people don't always put together. Yeah. Where if you have, you know, a billionaire right next to um, homeless people, there's going to be tension. And when those homeless people are typically black, it's a way easier to make the correlation with black than it is poor and rich being in brackish water like that close to each other that's
0: fucking fascinating
1: what books are you reading right now uh okay there's a couple i just finished start with why that's really good oh the boys in the boat if you want a good novel historical novel Dude, it's insane. It's about the 1936 Washington State uh, rowing team that beat the Nazis in, in the Berlin Olympics. It's fucking insane. The boys in the boat? Oh, my God. The boys in the boat. Yeah, it's a slow beginning, but by the end, you're just in bits. Okay. Because like, these dudes survived the Great Depression, Dust Bowl. They just fucking rowed. They rowed their heart out, hearts out. <laughs> God damn it. I got to fucking watch. I got I to gotta <laughs> yeah. read
0: that. And then... Uh, this is the book I'm reading right now. Is, uh Al Jorgensen's... Uh, Read the first sentence. Read the first sentence of Yellow wait, 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 let me get you to the first sentence. Yeah, first yeah. Sentence. This,
1: I, uh, I. Let's see. I love reading books with like really contradictory uh, messages. The first sentence. Just read first sentences. That. First sentence. You know you're in trouble when you try to say goodbye to your wife and all you can do is gargle blood. <laughs> Fuck yes. Yeah, I'm about to re- I'm going to read that immediately. That's <laughs> one of the best first fucking sentences I've ever read. Yep.
0: Al Jorgensen was the lead singer, the front man of, of ministry. So, and he was a straight-up heroin addict, alcoholic, like hardcore. And I started watching just videos. I, I started with Jonathan Davis talking about Fred Durst. And then I went to watch. I was like, I want to watch ministry play some music. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's just these, these very heartfelt moments of al jorgensen just shooting heroin and talking to the camera i feel like if you shoot heroin you're wicked honest
1: very honest Yeah, because you're in like a real bubble of safety
0: oh yeah no one's fucking with you you're like good night everybody yeah and so uh, that's what i'm reading right now what else are you reading i'm fascinated i
1: like like reading uh really like um there's one book called the rational optimist and then I'm trying to I'm gonna read another one with a very different outlook called uh, The Merchants of Doubt. Where basically a uh, rational uh, optimist, it's he's a zoologist, but it's about it was recommended on Brian Callen's podcast. That dude's really well read. But um,
0: yeah, Brian Callen's really well read. Really
1: well read. So that that book's about all the good things that come from capitalism. Yeah. And how like we're at the lowest amount of crime in the history of humans ever yeah I and mean, you know that this romanticizing the past is like the typical hunter gatherer died from being murdered by a rival tribe you know it's like think like you know everyone talks about nature and the balance of nature, like most of nature is like committing murder so you can rape the only woman yeah you know it's like brutal, and now we're in a very much more civilized place because of capitalism, but he also Seems like he doesn't isn't buying into global warming and shit like that. Really. So then, Merchants of Doubt is all about the scientists. There's like four or five scientists that are like kind of seeding people's doubts about global warming and how it's for sure a thing and that you know doubt is. I don't know. I haven't read that one yet.
0: Uh, anyone? Anytime I talk to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, yeah, that dude's awesome. And man. I I talked to him very shortly on uh, Opie and Jim. Yeah. And. Anytime you talk to someone like that, and I, I don't feel like I, I definitely don't do this on this podcast, except for right now. I feel like I'm talking to someone ten times smarter than I am. Uh, I'm not
1: that I know. It's just, no, but you are just more well read, right? It's like, and I love yeah. that
0: about Rogan and and Callan It's like listening to guys that are well read. I was talking to Neil, uh, Neil, and he was like, he was like, yeah. I was talking about you ever want to, or maybe someone was saying, I don't know, I don't know how the fucking went it then went down. You ever want to go to outer space? And he was explaining outer space to me. Yeah, and I was like. Oh, fuck, I'm dumb as fuck. Like, he was saying that just out of the atmosphere where they go to do the Felix Baumgartner jump, yeah. it's like three quarters of an inch away from the globe. Uh, doing a lap around the globe one time is like an inch away from the globe, but going to the moon is like 19 feet away from the globe. Right. Like like one of the small globes, and I was like, I never thought that. I never, I thought the moon was like right yeah, there. Yeah, the
1: dimensions are crazy. Yeah, and
0: so I was like, it really blew my mind. Then he was talking about, he was talking about... Uh, he was talking about um, g- gravity, and he's saying that there's no gravity in space. But well, that's not true. There's, gravi- there's totally gravity in there's space. Gravity everywhere, yeah. And he, said, he said the problem is that what you're doing is just like when you throw a baseball, and the baseball goes for a while and then drops, and then you throw it harder, and it goes for a little further and drops. And he goes, imagine if you were doing that, but you were doing it as hard as you fucking could, but it was circling the globe, and it never got a chance to touch the ground.
1: Right. It's basically falling forever. And he's like, that's what you're doing. And I was like,
0: how am I so... 42 and I just found that out
1: well that's a good book is uh Einstein's biography by Walter Isaacson that's that's phenomenal really it's intense but it's it's really good at understanding a lot of physics and like how that guy lived god damn it man I gotta fucking read more well uh do you ever listen to books like audible
0: (sighs) I gotta be honest with you audible turned me off because you had to buy points
1: is that how it works? I don't know
0: I might have gotten the the wrong thing
1: yeah that sounds it doesn't sound right (laughs) <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know I'm just, they're, they're, by the sounds way, like mike in brazil
0: there's guys, <laughs> there's guys there's guys right now that are like listening to this going they're guys doing audible reads on their podcast and i'm like i never got into it because it, i had to buy credits that's hilarious like, you Got the wrong fucking well one. i just
1: like it because if you're on the road and you're like just on a plane or something you can just listen to a book is that what you do on the road all the time yeah really I like listening to books more than reading them. I got to get into listening more books. It's legit. Uh, Another one, I I wanted to read uh, 48 Laws of Power and then also Givers and Takers or Give and Take. Yeah. I like when people have two opposite views where one is about how how people manipulate for power and the other one is about how being very selfless and giving gets people more success. Yeah. And I just like when when you know when two things couldn't be more opposite, and I try and figure out what I think between the two of them.
0: It sounds like it really sounds like the way your brain works is like is you you have a very honest dialogue within yourself about what you think. Oh, thanks. And, uh, but I try very few people, very few people, myself included. I always kind of like. Think things, and then I go. Whoa, well, I don't know. But like, you, you seem like someone that goes and goes. I have this thought. Let me research it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read into it. I'll read a couple books. I go, oh, that's why that is. Like, I've never, I've literally never heard that nose thing ever in my fucking life, like ever. And I was like, but then when you say it, I go, well, that does make sense. Like, you go to fucking Switzerland,
1: and everyone's got these little tiny skinny noses because they have to warm and moisten the air. And it's, and that's one reason why they're not. Uh they have like breathing problems. It's like you know, it's a shitty nose. I talked to I talked to Opie about this on the show, and he was I was saying
0: that. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm never gonna make sense of it after fucking two IPAs and a fucking. Play I love right IPA.
1: In. I've gotten really into beer lately. I, me too. Yeah, beer is
0: awesome. I'm starting my cleanse after this night. Good. I'm on my fucking cleanse. I like it. No booze. No no unhealthy food. That's gonna be hard it's gonna be it's gonna be okay for the first like four days and then like this weekend it'll be tough yeah because everyone will be like let's go over to what's name's house and have some wine and i'll be like "Uh, (laughs) i guess i'll just fucking just suck my thumb like a fucking bastard i'll
1: drink fucking like squeezed lemons and kN so uh
0: i should probably go pick up my kids what uh do you have anything to promote
1: just uh my podcast why didn't they laugh if you like the analytical vibe it's very analytical. Uh, by the way,
0: I don't think there's anyone that's listening to this right now that isn't going to enjoy watching you dissect shit.
1: Yeah, lately I've been interviewing people because I like that, but sometimes it's literally just me analyzing like my jokes bombing.
0: I'd love to. By the way, I'd love to sit and with a recording of one of my jokes and have me and you analyze it. together. We got to do it. You got to do the podcast. I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. And I'd love to do that. And I know which one I want to tell. I know the joke I want to bring to you, and I would love to hear you analyze it and tell me. We got to do that. Yeah. I do it. I'm in. All right, I'm cool. In.
1: And then uh, Twitter, Edo Owen Benjamin, because I'm starting to I'm starting to play piano on Periscope because I love piano. Yeah. So now I like playing. I, I just did this today for the first time. I like when people uh, request songs and I have to try and figure them out quick. It keeps me sharp. <laughs> <laughs> so your Periscope's at Owen Benjamin. I don't I don't know how Periscope works yet. <laughs> uh, but It's the same as your Twitter. It is the same as my Twitter. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. It's Owen Benjamin then. And my
0: Periscope of you walking up to my front house is blowing up. <laughs> nice, it is. Uh, Who's that White Walker? There, I'll see how many. I'll tell you how many. Uh, go to Periscope, everybody. I should Periscope these live, but uh, I just I don't know. Um, let's see. Burke State of the Union right now. We are at
1: oh uh, five thousand people. Jesus, it's good for me. That's great.
0: Um, all right uh i, I presi- think
1: periscope's a game changer i think it's gonna be good for Ooh, comedy. let's do this
0: let's do this ready 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 all right guys wait 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 we'll say goodbye okay and then we'll do an intro to the podcast and i'll plug it in Okay, cool. okay so that way you can plug right, cool. your okay, 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 okay. well i guess the been coming. it's been a pleasure this episode was brought to you by the machine